gusts around 40 miles per hour, and that's making it feel a lot colder outside. We have wind chill values in the teens and 20s this morning, so have your heavy layers on. You might see a few snow flurries flying around this morning as well as into the afternoon. Nothing will accumulate. We'll hold on to the strong breeze today and highs only in the upper 30s. I'm Storm Alert Team Meteorologist Brittany Foster. Throws it out in the flat. Regani makes a catch. And he's blown up by JoJo Doman. No gain on the play. It'll be fourth down at 22. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and former Husker National Champion Brendan Stein. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome into the Friday Husker Tailgate, November 12, 2021. Bye week edition. Nobody's thinking about work the day before a, a bye week. That's the way it goes. No, nobody, nobody's. Yeah, well, we're supposed to be playing Southeast uh, Louisiana tomorrow, aren't we? Oh, the original schedule had that game in there and yeah. uh, got switched up to to bring in Fordham. There's right? a, there's an alternate universe where Nebraska's two and seven getting ready to take on Southeast Louisiana. Oh, for a get right game. Would have been for, nice for a get right game mid November. Would have been nice. Well, anyway, uh, I guess the good news, well, depending on how you look at it, but the good news is that there is plenty to talk about today. It has been a very eventful week in Nebraska football, and we will get to that throughout the course of the show. Just a little bit of a rundown what's coming up on the show today. Brandon is uh, not here in person. He is going to join us by phone a little bit later. He is on the road today. But uh, I really want to hear what he has to say. I haven't, I haven't even had a chance to talk with, talk, uh, with him offline uh, about the entirety of this week, but I'll be very interested in what he has to say. So he is going to join us at 8.15 this morning. Uh, we're also going to have um, Mike Schaefer of Husker 24-7. I, I look forward to talking to him, especially about kind of what the, the next few weeks and months look like for Nebraska football with this hiring process, uh, how recruiting mixes in to all of that, and what the transition is going to look like for the coming weeks and months. Mike, I think, will be a really good guest on those things. So he's, uh, by, by the way, also a former host of the show. So uh, he is going to join us today at 710 in the normal story time with Sty spot. We'll push story time with Sty back to the uh, the 8 o'clock hour. So we've uh, we've got those things coming up. Got a chance for you to uh, play Fantasy Huskers, win the staycation package. Uh, and we got, uh, you know, uh, we're doing a Nebraska basketball version. And we got Nebraska basketball coming up tonight. So we may even get some Nebraska basketball talk in. Ooh, that's right. And just a quick programming note as well. In 12 hours, you'll be able to hear us again because you and I will be on from 6 to 6.30, bridging the gap up to the network pregame for tonight's men's basketball game. Thanks for reminding me of that. There you go. (laughs) Hey, whether it's 6 in the morning or 6 in the afternoon, you get... Jack Mitchell and Caleb Henry. All right, there you go. So I will uh, we'll be we'll talk to you again then. Uh, all right, so that's what we've got coming up on the show. Boy, what a week for Nebraska football! Anything big happen? Scott.
Scott Frost staying, as you very well know now. Several assistant coaches not staying, and the season continues now with two games that, uh, uh, for for practical purposes, don't have a whole lot of don't have a whole lot of meaning in terms of division or bowl eligibility or even referendum wise on the on the coaching staff. Right. There are the the implications. For these games are all completely intangibles going in to the offseason. There's there's nothing other than that now. And and we can talk a little bit later in the show about how that impacts how we look at these games. But now the real focus is um <laughs> I think I think we're finally starting to see and, and they're never gonna end, by the way, but we're finally starting to see the end of a, a week where it was characterized, at least in my world, by constant debates about what the right thing to do was and whether Trev did the right right thing or not. And you've got well, I think we've we've kind of learned um just kind of talking to people and doing our own polls and looking at what other media outlets have done in their polls. It's a it's a popular decision in that I think the majority of Nebraska fans, we think somewhere between two thirds and three quarters, uh-huh. seem to support this decision. But there is a fairly there, there, there's a minority that's very vocal, though, when it comes to this as well, and continues to be. And it's just, I couldn't escape the debate over the course of the last couple of weeks. I couldn't escape it Gosh, at no. all. It's everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere here at this point. Our that, own poll, by the way, says 92%. Are 92? Okay. All right. <laughs> Unscientific, but so I, I but still healthy, continue. Healthy majority here. I still continue to estimate. I think probably maybe close around uh, three quarters. Right. But we're going to put that behind us now at this point. I mean, those debates continue to happen, but what's done is done, okay, at this point. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the right decision. I understand that others don't, okay? But now, to me, the interesting discussion is no longer whether or not that was the right thing to do. But what comes next? Yeah, what's happening what's, now? What is the future? Caleb, let's let's just kind of talk about what these next few weeks look like. We probably, you got obviously two more games, Wisconsin right. and Iowa, and then the season at that point is over. By the way, that was perhaps, we'll have the sound off coming up. The fact that there are two games left, I was trying to get a question in, but man, people were firing off questions, and then at some point... When Keith says, hey, guys, one more, mm-hmm. I kind of just go, all right, I'm not getting one in. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden people are like, I got to get in. Like three or four more questions are still asked. I'm like, hey, I'm glad you guys got one in. Yeah. Um, we did, Nobody asked about, hey, what are you doing for these next two games? Mm-hmm. Other than who, who are going to be the coaches. Right. It was like, guys, there's still what uh, 15% of the season to be played, and nobody cared about that this week. Yeah. But like we'll obviously get to that on Monday when it's game week. But to me, that was one of the more interesting things on Wednesday: the fact that there is still two two games left on the se- on on the schedule. How how much can be gained or lost, Caleb? Do you think in terms? Because I think what these games are really about is is number one. I think just maybe a little bit of bloodlust for the fans to beat these two teams that Nebraska, who probably Nebraska's two biggest. "Quote unquote rivals, right? Uh, quote rivals, unquote, um, or at least the most despised teams by the fans. But how much is there to be gained or lost from a you know whatever you want to call it an intangible, an emotional, a momentum standpoint going into next year? I mean, it's it's the same thing of when you make a make a bowl game. Think about those teams that one. There's making a bowl game when you've got nine, ten plus wins, and there's making a bowl game when 
you're five and seven, or you're six and six, even seven and five. That bowl game becomes a lot more about momentum than it is about a program statement win. That's what these last two games are. Yes, there, there's a statement if you can beat a team that you haven't beaten in several years, of course. But a lot more of it is, what is the momentum that can be carried forward knowing that the head coach is coming back? Um, there's also the balance of being competitive in these games and getting guys experience. Because you know you're not going to a bowl game. There's not going to be that opportunity there. You know you don't have JoJo Doman. On defense, he he announced um, yesterday that he his season is done. He's had surgery on his hand um, in an injury he actually suffered against Purdue. Um, we can get more into JoJo later, but you're going to have to have at least one guy extra step up on defense. What's going to happen with the the rest of your offense? Do we see Logan Smothers? He's already played four games. Are you are you burning the red shirt when you're already out of bowl bowl contention? Do we see any other quarterbacks? Are there any positions where there are super seniors? Um, say, an Austin, an Austin Allen. Are, are you going to see someone else at tight end? I know he's got a decision to make on whether he's even leaving or coming back. Are there guys on defense that are going to say, you know what, I, I came back for that sixth year. Let's give some other guys a shot here in these last two. I've got some other prep, but I'm going to go and be with the team and be here for these guys. There's a lot to still be figured out over these last two games. But I think the biggest part of it is what momentum can you carry into the offseason? Yeah. And, and, and that's what I wonder. I mean, how much can you gain from, let's say you, you go, go 1-1 or, goodness sakes, let's say you go 2-0 and in these things. Hey, fan base I, feels good. Yeah, fan base. That's is that maybe that's most what it's about. But frankly, um, they could use that at this point. It'd just be a more tolerable off season in the in the state than, <laughs> than an O and two. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest way that that I'm thinking about. Right, it, because and and I said it earlier this week. I know that next season's schedule is subjectively easier. Like next year's schedule is easier. But in my head, I still can't get past the fact that. Scott Frost has had problems with Purdue and Minnesota and Illinois, and those teams are still on the schedule next year. So no matter who gets flipped around with the the schedule from the East, those teams still being there in the West, and then obviously still Minnesota and Wisconsin and Iowa, it's like... Well, those teams have beaten Scott Frost and have beaten Nebraska for several years, so the schedule's not all that much easier... But if you can beat one or both of these teams over the last two, it says there is that possibility for growth beyond just now we're close. It's get over the hump in one of these to carry that into 2022. That's true. Yeah, that because that would be that would be one of those that you're talking about, and and arguably a bigger challenge than the teams that you right, mentioned. Right, exactly, prior. exactly. Those are the teams. Um, it, it's great being in the game with the top ten teams. Mm-hmm. But I want to see you beat the teams you're supposed to beat so that you have a baseline. We don't have a baseline quite yet on where the wins are. Mm-hmm. Show us that over these last two. And, and if you can't, and, and even if you're, you're closer with these, the, the games have been super close with Iowa, right. come, coming down to field goals the last couple of years. But just get over the hump in one of these two, and I think the fan base feels even better about the decision. 
Now to what I think is is the most interesting question and maybe the most fun one to to discuss out of this whole thing is hiring a new offensive coordinator <laughs> at Nebraska. What Be- what is that going to do? Yeah, because this here's the situation that you've got. You've got Scott Frost who has always called his own plays. Mm-hmm. Okay? Scott Frost who has definitely had a um his kind of own style of offense. It's evolved since it's been at Nebraska, probably evolved a bit and, and changed, but he's certainly got a a style. I like to kind of, uh, I, I I liken his style as an amalgamation, particularly of the three places that he spent the most time, which yeah. is Oregon, Central Florida, and Nebraska's um, offensive influences. And it, it, you kind of see that a little bit. How do you bring, I, I guess the question is, and I asked Greg Sharp this yesterday, uh, but how much different can you bring um uh, how how different can you bring someone in from an offensive philosophy than where frost is already or is everyone all kind of the same for the most part in college football and it doesn't matter that much i i, I guess the question is how much might nebraska's offense change this year next year in terms of style and without without knowing right. it's all speculation because we don't know who it's going to be yet but is that on the table here at this point i think you'll see well, one of the big things, if if all you did was brought in an offensive coordinator and said, here's the playbook, do what you want with it, and that person was calling the plays, I'd feel more comfortable about the offense because we've seen decision-making errors. Um, and whether that's Scott Frost being distracted from having to coach you know, the rest of the team because he's the head coach and not being able to put 100% of his effort into calling the plays and being the offensive coordinator – I think if you have someone and you change literally nothing about the offense, someone that was the offensive coordinator and whatever position coach, the offense would be better. Because it's been, I mean, a lot of times, it's just been play calling issues. Not necessarily the plays themselves or even the guys on the field. It's been the situations where decisions have been made. Third down and seven or something like that, and we know Martinez is hurt. Mm-hmm. Power left with the quarterback. And he runs directly into um, Ohio State defensive lineman. Was that the play you necessarily wanted there? Was that a Lubick call? Was that a Frost call? It wasn't the right call. We we can all see that. And uh, so many times on a, a second and long or a third and long, you're just dialing up a, a draw with, with Adrian Martinez and seeing if he can do something. That wasn't a smart play over the last month because he's been banged up. Um, so if you changed nothing about the offense but just had someone else calling the plays, I'd feel good about it. Obviously, that's not what happens when you bring in an offensive coordinator. They're, they're going to want to put their own twist on it. Mm-hmm. Um, from talking with folks, the biggest thing that is different when you have a change in offensive coordinators is the terminology. Mm. So I don't know if that if you're just going to blend the terminology from whatever they're bringing from their offensive know-how and what Frost has had here for four years, what is that terminology that wide receivers now have to learn, that the offensive line now has to learn? Those are two places that don't have their uh, their coach anymore. What does the quarterback have to learn differently about getting signals from the sideline? Is that going to change dr- dramatically? So there are just little things that are going to have to change that aren't even necessarily what the offense is doing between the lines. Um, and then once you have that offensive coordinator, how does... How much does he have a say in what those other assistants are to fit if that style right. does change? Um, what is that say in having a different kind of quarterback coach than you've had, a different kind of receivers or O-line or running back coach, whatever it is to fit those puzzle pieces in? This offensive coordinator, 
position being filled as much like we want a special teams coordinator, and that's a lot of fun to talk about because it's glaring that you need that. But this OC position being filled is the most important position to be filled in this offseason. Because this this offense has worked, they just haven't scored. And obviously at the end of the day you have to score. It's not all about the yards, but this offense has been like historically great under Frost and Adrian Martinez at the helm. What is going to happen? And if you bring in an offensive coordinator, does he want Adrian to return for another year? Are they wanting to dip into a, the transfer portal and a guy is like, hey, I coached this other guy, I recruited right. this other guy, I want him to come with me. Right. There are so many questions. That's an interesting question that I hadn't thought of. Could you be getting a quarterback with this offensive (laughs) coordinator that has some kind of a, as you pointed out, that has some kind of a connection? Like a weird kind of trade. You you see it sometimes where programs, they'll get a really high-profile recruit, and then suddenly that player's, like, you're not always supposed to do this, and sometimes you can find Like a high school coach or something? All of a sudden, that kid whose dad was the high school coach... He's suddenly on the staff as an analyst or something, right. or that that kid's uncle. Like there are certain ways around it. It doesn't always look the best, but those things happen. Yes, is, is do you get this offensive coordinator and he brings his own guy with him, or a couple of guys with him, mm-hmm. and depending on where they're from, impact players immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. But but back to your original question. I don't know how much the offense is going to change. Frost said earlier this week that he's looking for fresh ideas, not wholesale changes, hmm. um, which I agree with. You don't need to overhaul the offense, but you definitely need to give it tweaks to where it's scoring better than it was. So you're saying the people who may have been eyeing the some of the service academy offensive coordinators uh, and the triple complete triple option offense <laughs> probably not going that direction Prob- based on what Frost said. Man, run the ball guy came out hard this week for offensive coordinators. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, it's interesting because I asked Greg Sharp the question yesterday, and, and he said, well, you know, to be honest, with a few exceptions, everybody kind of runs a similar offense now. I, I, I hadn't... I don't know. Is that true? Is there not uh, uh, like if you go ahead and look at offenses around the the country, it, 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 power five schools especially, mm-hmm. um, is is most everything the vast majority of everything? Could you see most everything translating into what Nebraska does? An offensive coordinator. Let's say we just you know picked a random offensive coordinator at a at a power five school. There's a there's a good enough chance that the offense the offense of just the style of the offense is similar enough to Nebraska. That you know, I don't know. You know, you think of Iowa, Wisconsin. That certainly seems pretty different and pretty distinct um, from what Nebraska's right. doing. It, it, but for the most part, yes. Really, the big difference comes down to with the offenses is the 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 way they split what they want to do. Talking about Iowa and Wisconsin. Well, what do they want to do? They want to be under center more. Mm-hmm. They want to be big. They want to have more tight ends on the field, and they'll have they'll go I formation more than a lot of other Power 5 schools. They, they know what their identity is, and that's going to be a game, uh, a ball control game. Mi- Minnesota's been doing that um, as well, although they spread it out a little bit more than Iowa and Wisconsin. Mi- Minnesota is really a, a 2020 version of the 90s Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's really all they are, um, because they just make it look a little prettier. <laughs> but if you were to just grab a random offensive coordinator, for the most part, it's going to fit... Let's say this year's team had a different offensive coordinator just randomly from around the country, and Frost turned it over control 100% for this season. I firmly believe he would have been under center more 
Um, you, you might see a, a few more of those pro sets. But our issue with being in some of those pro sets was that we didn't have running backs that could block for a lot right. of times. So, so some of it is still personnel and having guys healthy in certain situations. Um, one of the things that we've talked about a lot is wanting the tight ends to be utilized more. That, that is a difference between offensive coordinators, how much they utilize certain positions. But in general, your schemes are going to line up the same. Your, your blocking might be a little bit different on the way you want things on the offensive line, um, your zone blocking versus your man blocking, where you want guys to pull. Those small things are going to be a little bit different depending on the coach. Mm-hmm. But in general, an offensive, random offensive coordinator from a Power 5 school came into Nebraska right now, and the ship's not going to turn a hard left. Mm. I, I'm curious if you threw it out to people, and, and, and we can do this, if you could, now that you've seen what four years of, of the offense under under Frost and Frost offensive coordinators has, has looked like and what, what that kind of style is, we've been through you know several head coaches and offensive coordinators over the year. Mm-hmm. What would you like to see? Like, what, what's the best, and obviously you're not fitting a, a current player, but fitting Nebraska's recruiting capabilities, fitting the conference, fitting the weather, what is Nebraska's best offensive style, or, or, or what direction is that going? I, I think that's, and I know there's a big group of people, Caleb, that would like to see them go and try and do what Iowa and Wisconsin are doing. Um, I kind of doubt that's happening. No, I, I doubt that's happening. I think you'll get closer to what Minnesota's doing, in all honesty, where you've, you're able to utilize your dynamic receivers, but you want to have a running back that can control the game. Because if you can do that, you can be in just about any game. We, we see <laughs> Purdue is finding a way to be in every game, you know. Um, they found a way to run the ball on Nebraska. Right. But so, they're a pass-happy but, offense, but they, but yeah, yeah, but they're, they're a pass-happy. I think you're going to find somewhere, and Nebraska's not necessarily pass-happy, you, you know. I think Nebraska's best offense is closer to being like Minnesota. And some people are going to roll their eyes and be like, well, we don't need to be like Minnesota, we just need to be Nebraska. Whatever. Uh, I think your best offense is being systematically what P.J. Fleck has had going on there. Be- granted, it helps when you've got a guy like Mo Ibrahim. Um, well, they've also had two NFL receivers there in the last three years. Right. But it, it, that's what makes it work, is if you've got great receivers and there's talent uh, abounding in this wide receiver room, not all of it's always on the field. So all you really need are two to three pretty good ones, and if you can have a running back that can control the game, Nebraska hasn't had that. You need to have an offensive line that can go move guys all over the place. Nebraska hasn't had that. A lot of it has been we've seen the inexperience show up this year. We've seen the injuries and just not having guys take over roles show up on the offensive side of the ball as much as there has been play-calling issues. That's true. You haven't had the, the, the skill guys. Yeah, they, I mean, wait, you know, you've had issues on the offensive line there, but especially that running back position, um, you haven't had you haven't had game changers at at running back, especially and uh, and, and really at, at wide receiver for the most part too. Um, and you get those, and that, I mean, that's what Minnesota's had when you reference their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had, you know, in the last three four years, they've had three four NFL skill players. Um, 
Nebraska hasn't and 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 probably still doesn't at this point. So that's that's where it starts. You got to be able to recruit. <laughs> you got to be able to have some of these recruits pan out at those at those big time positions. Now, uh, I mean, I'll see this. Xavier Betts is young. He he looks really good. Right. I'm excited about him. You know, we didn't get to see much of Irvin as well. Um, we'll see if they're the they're the person. But you haven't had that. You just haven't had that person. Um, you know, maybe you look at Ozigbo's final first Frost first year, Ozigbo's senior year. You kind of saw a little something mm-hmm. like that, and he is still in the NFL. So, um, uh, uh, and before that, he was off the team, Mo Washington looked really good. That's true. You just you haven't had throughout the course of a year. Now, here's here's the other thing I'll say, and and I think a little bit of the equalizer in the recruiting game is having the quarterback run be a part of your your offense. Mm-hmm. I. I I assume it will be. It has been with Frost's offense, no matter where he's been. I just think I think that's a little bit of uh, if Nebraska was an SEC team and Nebraska was located in you know in Georgia somewhere, <laughs> I might say differently. I may say a pro style offense is what Nebraska needs to go to, but with you know with where Nebraska is, with with what the recruiting realities of every of things are right now, I just think that's a real equalizer for. For Nebraska and and for some of these schools is to have that quarterback run game be a part of it, and I think it gives defenses fits. It, well, utilizing the quarterback run hasn't been the issue. It's been the lack of depth at the quarterback position that's been the issue. And again, we go back to the right, not the X's and O's. It's the Jimmies and Joes. Because as Barry Switzer said, what, "What have you had for the last decade?" Well, you've predominantly had uh, running quarterbacks. You can go all the way back to Taylor Martinez, right? But what have you predominantly had over that time span as well? four-year starters. Like, you, you haven't had the depth in the room to where someone's taking over as a redshirt sophomore or a junior um, or even a senior and then having someone that they're competing with year in and year out. If Let's say Adrian this year as technically a junior, but he's realistically a senior. If there was a junior who was right there that maybe the, the staff trusted a little bit more. If Logan Smothers was two years older is what we're getting at. Mm-hmm. There's always been that weird gap unless you had someone who really wasn't ready for the position as the backup. And that's been more the issue than than running these guys because it's you know they're going to get banged up. Like that's just part of the part of the game no matter what offense you run, mm-hmm. but especially if you have a running quarterback. And if you do that without the depth behind the quarterback, you're just setting yourself to be rolling out uh, an injured quarterback time and again, and that's what we saw this season, especially over this last month, when right. when it was clear. And it's nothing against Logan Smothers; he just hasn't developed into the guy that can take that position yet, because this is his first full season at Nebraska. It's absolutely nothing against him or or walk on Matt Masker or Heinrich Harburg, who's in his first year here, um, or Jarrett Sinek, who's a walk on in his first year here. I think that's the entirety of the quarterback room. Um, or anyone else who comes to Nebraska. If you don't have that depth to where the coaches trust you to run out there and start a game and keep give this team the best chance to win, you have to just roll out a hobbled guy at 80% or whatever. Yeah, what percentage of Adrian Martinez games here has he been significantly less than 100% <laughs> injury-wise? Are we close to 50% of the games? At, at least? Yeah. I mean, I think most of the, the 20, 20, 2019 season... They t- I mean, that was the shoulder issue, right? For sure. I mean, 2019 sees it's... He was banged up a bit last year. Yeah. Well, his freshman year, he came off the, the ankle injury. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when the Colorado guy twisted his ankle and it didn't, you know... 
So yeah, it's it's too bad. But you're right. It, it, and in having this conversation with you, I am I am realizing we can talk forever about the scheme and this whole thing. <laughs> but man, finding hitting on recruits and developing them at the skill positions, especially, but the offensive line as well, is going to be that's going to be what decides if this works. Think about if this season. Had he not transferred, and I think it was absolutely in his best interest to transfer because he went and got all the playing time. Vedral? Noah Vedral. Yeah. If you had him, he's got half a dozen starts mm-hmm. easily over the la- over, between last year and this year, at least. Luke McCaffrey would not have gone in and started last year. That would have been Noah Vedral mm-hmm. because you wouldn't have just gone, all right, who's the most explosive guy in the but, room that can go in? But how do you keep a backup quarterback in college football 2021? That's not playing. I mean, I'm just saying, with the with transfer portal as it is, it's hard to keep a backup quarterback, right? Because they can, they want to play, and they can probably play somewhere else. But but you have to utilize the transfer portal yourself, like that. That's been the thing, right? Nebraska, and they didn't, Joe Burrow. They didn't. Uh, I mean, you can go down the line. No, Nebraska continues to see in. Not to make it political, but like the the state of Nebraska's got you talk about it each year with brain drain. Okay, how many folks that have a college degree are on their way out? Well, how many folks are in that quarterback room that are leaving versus the folks that are coming in? You're signing guys, you're getting those freshmen. They're around for two, three years, yeah. and then they're transferring out because there's no there's no path to a starter position when you have guys starting for four years. You have to be, and I know that's going to be a point of emphasis in this off season, and it has to be. But the lack of utilization in the transfer portal to bring somebody in has hurt that room as much as anything yeah. over the last four right, we years. Got, we got to take a break. I'll, I'll finish it on this. I'm going to guess that ends this season. Oh. That's my prediction. I, I, I mean, I'm going to guess that. Get to the warhorse now. I mean, put, put your odds right now. Is is the starter next year? We wind gusts are currently around 40 miles per hour, and wind chill values are giving us field like temperatures in the teens and 20s this morning. We also could see some snow flurries flying around that'll continue into the afternoon. Luckily, nothing will accumulate, but we will be cold today. Highs in the upper 30s with that strong breeze calming down late this evening. I'm Storm Alert Team Meteorologist Brittany Foster. It's the weekly fantasy draft that could win you a whole lot more. Time to play Fantasy Huskers on LNK Today with Jack and Friends. Only a few more weeks of Fantasy Huskers left. Your chance to win $50 to Valentino's, one night stay at Cornhusker Marriott, and a free round of golf at Adventure Golf. All you need to do is make a prediction about the weekend's game. There's no game this weekend, but KLIN still has sports on this weekend. That's right. Tonight, Nebraska basketball versus Sam Houston State. And so we are asking you, hey, tell us how much the Husker basketball team scores. We thought we'd do a little basketball to promote our basketball coverage. And so, yeah, that's all we're asking you. How many points does Nebraska men's basketball score tonight against Sam Houston State? And Lewis was our caller 14, and he gets a shot at this. Good morning, Lewis. How you doing? Good morning. Okay. All right, Lewis, what do you think? How many points do you think they get tonight? Oh, I think them threes are going to start dropping. I'm going to say 91. 91. Nice. That's the same as Caleb had. Boom. Nobody else in the contest. You and Caleb That's are on. One. You and Caleb are on the same page. All right, Lewis, I got you down for 91. Enjoy the game. Okay, thank you. There you go. All right, Lewis is in for 91. He'll be pulling for that. Ninety. Let's see here. Uh, that's the high now. The low is. Oh my goodness! Ron on the afternoon show picked sixty nine. Nice. 
said I I hope they score a lot more than that. All right, what well, they better. One more pick this afternoon uh, on Drive Time Lincoln and then Caleb a little extensive uh, pregame from us prior at six o'clock. Yep, right? six to six thirty. Um, you'll have Doug Fitzgerald in for Drive Time Lincoln ahead of that for that hour. So uh, you're going to get a whole lot of local uh, later into this afternoon and evening. But I know we're going to get to the sound off. But as I wrote yeah. as I wrote uh, the other day. Got to get away from that me basketball that we saw oh that first gosh. night. Yeah, we we need to find a couple of minutes to talk about that a little bit, a little <laughs> bit later. But uh, yeah, and and by the way, uh, we will. Brendan uh, is out traveling today. We are going to have him joining us during the eight o'clock hour, though, to get his thoughts on everything that went down this week. So you won't want to miss that. He'll be on with us at about eight fifteen. Also, Mike Schaefer, former co-host on the show, is going to join us from Husker twenty four seven at seven ten. He'll have a lot, I think, of good stuff on what we were just talking about, Caleb. All right, uh, let's get into the sound off. What do you have for us today? Uh, well, Frost met with the media on Wednesday, the only time we, we had him this week, and boy, did he get into a whole lot of stuff that didn't have anything to do with the rest of this season, um, except for one of the questions, and we'll get to that. But first off, it was uh, Frost talked about how the team was doing this week, the, those first couple of days, and the, the decision to let go of four assistants. It's been tough. Um, it's been tough on coaches and players and, and everyone. Um, you know, the guys we let go um, are really good coaches, and they're even better men. And um, those are hard decisions that had had to be made. And um, I can't thank those guys enough. Um, I couldn't care about those guys anymore. A lot of the players feel the same way. Um, so it's a, it's been a tough 72. You know, those guys have done unbelievable job helping us to get better. And they're all, like I said, good coaches and even better men. Um, been talking with Trev for a long time. Appreciate those conversations. Um, you know, it's hard to. It, it, we've come so close in so many games, and it's hard to think we can keep doing exactly the same things and and get over the the top. And it's not any person's fault, any one of those coaches' fault. Um, Sometimes there just needs to be a, a little different voice and, and maybe little changes that can make a difference. And um, the timing was tough uh, in the middle of the season. Um, but everything's going to move really fast here after the season uh, with recruiting and signing day. Um, and it's kind of important to uh, get guys in place to help get those things done. And with a bye week and time to evaluate, I uh, thought that, that was the best time. Yeah. Can you imagine having to, to go? I don't even know how that goes down, but having to go in and uh, and this happens all over college football and and in other places too. But having to go in and fire the people that you came here with, that you brought here, right, to do that job and that you've known for a whole lot of years, and say. Pack up your stuff. Right. Three of those four I mean, like, came what, with Frost from UCF, that? and Lubick worked with him at Oregon. Like, what is that like? I, I like, oh. I, like, yeah, that, that conversation is probably hard, but at the same time, those are smart guys. Like, th- those are smart coaches. Those guys have been around. They know what this game is. They know what this business is. They could probably see the writing on the wall at some point and go, when I, the conversation's probably coming up. Whether it's because of the bye week and you can get out recruiting and start looking for guys, or it's after Iowa, the conversation's probably coming. You could probably like, I bet they could see that coming. That doesn't make the conversation any easier. No, but I can, I, as, as someone who's been <laughs> at the drop of a hat, laid off, knowing it's coming is a little bit different than just walking into a room thinking you're ha- going to have That's a true. conversation and then all of a sudden you're out of a job. Yeah. 
two former Huskers in that group too. That's right, as as well. Uh, right. Frost talked about who's going to be filling in. Uh, at those four assistant positions over these last few weeks. You know, Coach Hill has done a great job with the running backs. Uh, Coach Brown is going to take over there. Uh, obviously, Ron Brown is experienced and done a great job. Um, Steve Cooper is going to be with the quarterbacks. Uh, Coops helped us a lot in the office and um, has been an offensive coordinator before. Uh, Mike Casano is going to take over at uh, receivers. And Frank Verducci, who has a lot of experience, is going to be leading the offensive line. How many of those names have you heard before this week, Jack? Ron Brown. Ron Brown. Okay. So, Ron Brown has a few decades of coaching uh, yes, experience. Yes, everyone knows Ron Brown. Yes. <laughs> right, yes. He's very well known. For the other guys, and obviously Ron Brown's going to be with the running backs. Quarterbacks is with Steve Cooper. He's a former wideout for Portland State. Um, he was a grad assistant there bef- uh, as well before working his way up to offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He joined Frost as offensive quality control coach in 2018 when he came um, to Nebraska. Huh. Wide receivers, Mike Cassano. He's had stints at several places, including Florida International and Georgia Tech. Uh, he's been with Frost for six seasons, serving as offensive analyst. And then offensive line. This one kind of excites me. Uh, Frank Verducci. He's made a number of stops at a bunch of Power 5 programs, uh, as well as the NFL in his 40 years of coaching. Offensive line has been his specialty, and he's been with Frost for four seasons, serving as the senior offensive analyst. Iowa is one of his stops. He, he's coached a number of guys that have made the NFL, coached guys in the NFL. All right. I'm, I'm excited to see what what little things change over these last few weeks um, with this with this foursome. Yeah, it it absolutely be interesting to see how the, the just the team and, and some of the coaches I th- or some of the players you could tell from tweets were upset right um, about the decision. Not surprisingly, and, and Frost said as much as well. The one thing I I thought was coming, I was really disappointed when he was listing off the names and he said, and uh, finally up in the press box uh, we are going to have our new quality control assistant, uh, Dr. Tom Osborne. <laughs> Come on, put Osborne up there with a offensive coordinator, Tom. Osborne. Offensive coordinator for the final game, final two games. They brought Alvarez back to coach Wisconsin. Remember that? Does, do they have seven running backs on the field? <laughs> that would have been that would have been amazing. Just like they did with Alvarez, got got him that shot. All right, what else we got? Uh, well, Frost talked about his conversations with AD Trev Alberts and restructuring that contract because that that is what made the rest of the conversations this week possible. Was Frost agreeing to restructure his contract and move forward from there? You know, we talk every week. I think I I brought up the idea originally and didn't hear anything else about it and. Um, he kind of brought me some ideas, and, and again, that's an easy decision for me. Um, I'm in this business because uh, I love the kids, and I'm here because I love this place, and um, man, I want to see this through and get this right, and um, any sacrifice I have to make to continue to do this, uh, that's an easy decision. What what I took most out of that, one, there's obviously the, he's going to do whatever it takes to still be here. Hopefully at some point that means wins. Uh, but number two, that he said he brought it to Trev. Yeah, that is interesting. The, the fact that he brought the idea of, hey, how, how can we make this something that is beneficial to both of us? That's also him being proactive to keep his job. Yes. Is the other thing that oh, that is. Oh, very much so. Hey, let's start negotiating. <laughs> I mean, that's what that is. Um, and, you know... Th- th- that I mean, 
the financial part of that had to play a role in in the decision. Absolutely. And, I mean, there's no way that it, it obviously didn't hurt. But I wonder how big Absolutely. of a role that played in the decision because that was significant. Nebraska's on the hook for significantly less if they decide to go another direction after 2022 or after 2023. Yeah, it's a fair percentage for sure. Uh, Frost also talked about his uh, his vision of the offense going forward. We spent a little bit of time talking about that. Frost yeah. was asked about it Wednesday. We've been really good on offense. When we have the right guys, we've been a lead on offense. Um, I'm not necessarily looking for wholesale changes. Um, I did have a lot of guys around me that knew a lot of the same things that I knew. Um, and that's worked. Um, I think it could still work. Um, kind of looking for some, some fresh ideas to help. Um, not necessarily wholesale changes, but if we think that gives us the best uh, chance to get a little better, then uh, we will. So kind of in the early stages of um, identifying people, have a pretty good idea of what I want it to look like, and we'll see where we land. Can I suggest something? And I don't know if this person is out there, but how about someone who's had success offensively scheming <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the Big Ten Conference? Yeah. I, I just thought of that now as as I listened to that. And he said the people around me have kind of been in the same place I was, and and know all the same things, and, and have been doing what they were doing. Came from Central Florida, where it worked incredibly. Mm-hmm. What oh, what yeah. they were doing, you know, and and some of them from Oregon before that, where it worked incredibly. But you remember that mentality that that Frost kind of came in with is that we're going to make Big Ten defenses adapt to what we're doing. That hasn't. It hasn't been as it's been harder than he thought. Mm, right, for sure. It's been harder than he thought uh, in this conference, and so yeah, I I wonder that that would be something that's of interest to me. Somebody that has had some success in in this conference against these sorts of defenses that Nebraska is is going to see here, just infused to the current ideas yeah. of of Frost and the other people that are there. Two more I want to get to really quick. Frost talked about how difficult it will be because he is going to be turning the offense over to someone else, including that play calling. Yeah. It- it's not going to be easy. I got to find somebody that I trust, and and it, it, I'm always going to have. I'm an offensive guy. I'm always going to have something to do with it. There's things about being coach in Nebraska that I haven't been able to enjoy because all the time that I've been spending, uh, you know, trying to fix problems and dig ourselves out of a hole and, and get the team better, um, and I have to spend a lot of time. Uh, offensively too and not that I didn't have the right guys Uh, again I can't say enough good about them Uh, but um, I need to be able to really trust somebody I'll still be involved but uh, that'll take a lot off my plate and I think help me be even better in some other areas I absolutely agree that if you've got someone who is a full-time they're the offensive coordinator they are the play caller and it is not Scott Frost obviously the head coach will jump in on stuff and be like this is the decision I want here Imagine how different that makes your game day if you're a head coach that is calling plays that goes to not calling plays. <laughs> like, just how significantly different your that your, first game in Ireland. He's just looking around, going, what I, do and I, I understand do? he's still on the headset and he's still going to contribute, but that frees you up. Like, what do you do with that time? <laughs> exactly, you can manage like, the serious. entirety of the game because there was a lot of times he was talking about. I didn't see what the defense did because I was talking with the offense. I remember at the beginning of the year he'd be asked about the defense and he'd kind of say that too. Uh, one more, real quick, on the idea of hiring a full-time special teams coordinator. Potentially, I'll tell you what. Uh, Mike Dawson has done a great job running the special teams. Um, obviously, he has people in the building that are helping him in the office with that. Uh, but our special teams have vastly improved. Um, our 
our specialists, we need to continue to get better in those roles. But our coverage units, uh, when you watch the tape and, and compare to where we've been, um, I'm really happy with the progress we've made there. So I, I think that's just uh, when we put the puzzle together, figure out if that's a possibility or not. If it is, I would love to. I would disagree that they have vastly improved. Um, you Kick are, coverage and punt coverage is better. Those two have been have have been significantly improved. Right. And well, kickoffs have all been touchbacks. Right. Part, so. it, but in a big part of that is your specialist being able to put the ball where it needs to be. Right. Um, but your punters have not necessarily improved. Your uh, your place kickers have not necessarily improved. Well, that's what but, you essentially was saying. The scheme has been all right. The specialists but, have been the. But on the other side, on your kick return. On your punt return, you're getting nothing. You have not right. not returned one kick past the 25, and your long punt of the year, or long punt return of the year was 11 yards by right. Oliver Martin. You have 25 net punt return yards on the year. That scheme, that's finding and the weather. Brought to you by John Henry's Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Good Friday morning, everyone. We're off to a breezy start this morning as wind gusts are around 40 miles per hour, and that's making it feel a lot colder outside. We have windshield values in the teens and 20s this morning, so have your heavy layers on. You might see a few snow flurries flying around this morning as well as into the afternoon. Nothing will accumulate. We'll hold on to the strong breeze today and highs only in the upper 30s. I'm Storm Alert Team Meteorologist Brittany Foster. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. <laughs> Welcome back. All right. Oh, dude. Caleb and I, and by the way, if you're watching on the Facebook feed, Caleb and I just had an interesting discussion about over-unders for the next two games on fake punts and kicks, uh, as we talked about a little bit there, on uh, trick plays. Like, they're opening all that up for the next two weeks. I mean, it last, could be... Last game of the year, can't hold anything back. <laughs> Uh, if you don't think I'm going to tweet that a dozen times against Iowa. That's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to talk to Brent. Brendan is going to join us by phone during the 8 o'clock hour. So we'll just move story time back uh, just a little bit this week. It's out a flat. Regini makes a check. And he's blown up by JoJo Noman. No gain on the play. It'll be fourth down at 22. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and former Husker National Champion Brendan Stein. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. There's Nebraska ball next weekend. 
and next Friday, and we've got two tickets for Husker basketball. Idaho State is going to be coming to town on November 19th. If you go to our Facebook page and type in Nebraska ball. In the comments? In the comments. Okay. On, on our Facebook Live. Okay. Well, we'll put you guys into a drawing for two tickets. All right, so that say next basketball Friday. on the Facebook Live or join the Facebook Live and and do that, and we will get that to you as well. So we're going to have uh, Mike Schaefer joining us here in just a second. Uh, we'll also get to what I want to do a little in in a few minutes here is break down some of the names that have been kind of floated out there and have been mentioned that people are thinking about as the potential new offensive coordinator. Give you some of their background as well because I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, just looking at who the candidates could be and maybe for that as well and what that might entail for the offense. We've got that. We'll count down the five things we're talking about this Husker weekend. Uh, or by weekend, as it were, some some news in terms of players who will and won't be back, and then some still some questions as well about who and will and won't be back as well uh, for the coming weeks and the year after that as well. We're going to delve into all of that uh, coming up during the morning drive. Uh, right now, though, we are uh, want to welcome back to the Friday Husker tailgate. Uh, a uh, one of the one of the crew, one of the original, not the original crew. There's been a lot of people in the crew, but longtime member of the crew here at the FHT from Husker 24/7, Mike Schaefer. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Welcome back to the tailgate. I am doing well. I was just thinking, if there was like a Wikipedia page for this tailgate show, you know, it'd be like one of those bands where it basically lists like 37 previous <laughs> former members. That. Like, that that's what it, you know, like how it's on the side of the Wikipedia page. Of, right, right. And it just never seems to stop. Look, I would be one of the people in there. We're like, we're like the Chicago, the band of radio shows. <laughs> right, you're, you are our, you are our Peter Cetera, I think. Probably. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad or anything, but I'll take it. I, I have no idea. I, mean, I ser- don't understand. Seriously, that if I went through the actual <laughs> roster, this show started in like uh, 08, I think. Uh, Adrian Fiala was on it. The late Adrian Fiala was on it originally. And then Kevin Kugler, Damon Benning were on it. Uh, Joe Gans was on it with me. Sty was on it for a while. Then he left. Then he came back. Jason Peter hosted it with us for a while. Corey Ross, Mike Schaefer. Then, of course, all the other guys at the station from Bishop to, to Kevin Thomas to Dave Miller to, I mean, it's been everyone. Well, that's what, everyone. That many people are saying that they really enjoy the current format, but that Caleb guy's no Joe Gans, so. <laughs> He's no, and he, but he definitely is, he definitely uh, fills in for Mike Schaefer nicely, though. That's what they say, Mike. I'm just kidding. Uh, how, how you doing? I'll, I'll I didn't bring a whole lot to the show relative to just laughing at Corey's remarks every three minutes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, well, how was your week? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I've had better bye week. So i got to say, the bye week for Nebraska is never quite the, uh, you know, people get to enjoy themselves. There always just seems to be disaster flirting around the corner. Uh, going all the way back to 2013 when the audio got released. <laughs> uh, after the UCLA game, and it's just like, you know, I, I've gotten kind of accustomed. You just got to keep your guard up. My week is, uh, you know, it lurks around the corner like the scary boogeyman a little bit. Were you... Um, I- were you surprised by the decision? I guess we'll start there. Was that what what you th- was that kind of what you were expecting to happen as this season wound down? Yeah, I um, I would say probably once sort of the Purdue shock wore off, 
Like, and I think if you if you trap members of the media, this kind of fits too. The initial kind of like, well, this just looks bad uh, as Purdue is playing out. So you get your post game sort of reaction to it, to kind of your Sunday Monday, and then I, I feel like by about Tuesday through the rest of the the time through, including the Ohio State game. You you just kind of saw a tenor of people sort of change. I know myself, when I saw the, the remarks from Ted Carter, it kind of made me think, okay, well, if they've got a decision made, it seems more likely than not he's going to be back. Um, and then it just sort of works where this bye week is right before the last two games. And it once you kind of went three and seven, and I'm not trying to say that there's nothing to be gleaned from the Iowa or the Wisconsin game because that's not true. But the results of those games matter significantly less than the ones that occurred before it. So if you were going to keep them, to me it made a ton of sense to do it in the way that they did. And that's sort of how I felt things were going to play out. And then, of course, you get Saturday, the way they play, the remarks again from Ted Carter. It just you, The remarks that Trev Alberts had earlier in the year, it just seemed very unlikely to me that they were going to move on from Scott Frost. And, and the staff changes, those had been rumored for a while, but I – I cannot think of any time, save for when when Bob Elliott, who was brought in by Bob Diaco, passed away, mm-hmm. that Nebraska has changed a coach, you know, at this juncture. Like, it's such a unique deal. Uh, and then to have four of them, and three of them be, you know, members of the original staff, like, that surprised me. Mm. The rest of it, not so much. I'm curious, many have pointed out the uh, unlikeliness just historically of someone, uh, of a coach coming back from four seasons with a record similar to Scott Frost and, and use, that as, um, use that as evidence not to do it. Um, obviously, that wasn't compelling to Trev Alberts. He even alluded to it in his interview on Sports Nightly where he said, I know there's a lot of empirical data out there. Do you see anything... In you know the the frost tenure or the last year or the last two years that is particularly exceptional about this program or those seasons or what Frost has done here that might have been something that you think the that Trev Albert saw and, and went into this decision is is there anything that is just really different here when comparing it to all those other coaches I- I suspect that there's a combination of things that are very difficult to, to sort of uh, show on paper to, to the end. Like, it's not as, you know, the wins and the losses are very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that goes on inside the walls that not everybody's privy to, that's more difficult to explain. And so I, I, I suspect more than anything, Trev Alberts feels like there is a good football coach that didn't have much of a support system that kind of maybe fell into a trap. And I, I could be projecting a little bit here because mm-hmm. I believe some of this to be true. Uh, so I don't want to make it sound like it's just Trev Alberts thinking this. Mm-hmm. But maybe fell a little bit into a trap of, like, returning home, um, not necessarily surrounding himself with, with people who are going to put him on a course, but maybe just surrounding himself with people who are like, yeah, you know, you're the football coach. Whatever you want to do here. And so... I wonder if his conversations with Frost since he's been here kind of chart his belief that there's something better here than what has shown out on paper. And it might just be as simple as a gut feel. And then you combine that with the fact that Frost was willing to reduce the salary and right. buy out. And, um, you know, he seemed relatively compliant and agreeable to what Trev Alberts wants to do. 
because the easy thing for Scott Frost would have been basically to say, you know what, I don't have to reduce my buyout. This right. is what we agreed on. I mean, I, John, you, or excuse me, Jack, you and I, we have uh, tracks. Like, you know what that's like. Like, you yeah. you have a contract that's supposed to protect you in, in some measure, too. So the fact that he was willing to, to move off of it also tells me that there's a little part of Scott Frost that believes in Trev Alberts. And so I think both wanted at least one more year to see if there was more there. And then, of course, I, I think that Frost, like the rest of us, watches his own football team and realizes that some stuff wasn't working and he needed to make a more of a change than Troy Walters to Matt Lubick. So uh, I, I think all of that stuff fits in it. It's hard to placate the people who just want to point to the record. And I get it because I likely am more in that category than I am in the the other stuff, but I'm trying to read it from yeah from the of why Trev Alberts would want to want to bring him back. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are wondering that. I'm curious. I asked Greg Sharp this yesterday. And I got I thought a really interesting answer, but I'm curious what your your take on it. How different? I don't, uh, does Scott Frost give off a significantly different feel when you're, you know, you're in the room when you're talking to him in in 2021 than he did in uh, 2018, 2019? Is he? I mean, has he? Is it? Is it clear that he's a different person or not? Because that's always been one of my theories. I have a I have a tougher time with that because I've, I've seen. I think it was you. I've seen some other people say that. I don't know that I necessarily feel that mm-hmm. or think that. Um, but I also, like, in fairness, I haven't spent nearly as much time in the podium room in, in the last uh, few months as I have previous. So, I've, you know, there's more than enough stuff for me to do out in the hallway or right. chatting with other people that it's not um, – I don't spend as much time in there. So I'm actually around Frost a little bit less this year than previous years. I mean, just his own comment, it seems like he's more willing to admit fault um, than what we have seen in the past. Uh, I, I don't know that I think that he's all that different. I mean, his you you think about that press conference he had on Tuesday or on Wednesday, and I mean that's not a guy that's just coming there hat in hand, you know, looking looking for people to accept that he wants one more shot at this. I mean, there's still that kind of defiance that he's always sort of had. That, right. Oh, you think I can do this? Right, um, which I think is a driver for him. So if he ever lost that, I think that would actually be a real concern. I guess the thing I, I, I that maybe I'm I'm getting at or I'm seeing, and and I could be misreading it. I I admit that, but you're reading between the lines here. But there was a part of me that always sensed in those first couple of years after things didn't go well at the outset that I I just kind of said, man, he seems like he is saying to himself. What did I get myself into? Why did I do this? I had a good thing going at this point. I, I just, you know, there were a couple of times I felt that way. And, th- I mean, and now, now, Mike, if that was true, there's a complete 180 given that he's coming to Trev Alberts and saying, oh, yeah, shave $7.5 million off my buyout. That's how bad I want to stay here. I, I yeah. mean, well, so, so to that degree, yeah. I, I think that, I, I don't think that we can probably overestimate how different the relationship is that he has with Trev Alberts and Bill Moody. Yes, I, and that's a good management point. styles, I mean, we've all had different managers, and Trev Alberts seems like he's more significantly more involved on the day-to-day level um, than Bill Moose ever was. Mm-hmm. And and there is probably a lesson to be learned about, you know, for, for people that you get 
not so much too much power, but there was nothing really over Scott Frost in his first three years. That has definitely changed, and so maybe there's a little bit of a change in him because there's an actual uh, if boss is the right word you want yeah. to use, but there's someone that actually sits above him now. Yeah. I mean, previously it was basically like, here's your money, bring your staff, do what you want, I'll be on the ranch. <laughs> That's not happening anymore. Um, and so I, I think that that could be reflected a little bit in his attitude change because I, I do think that we think of Scott Frost as more of a finished product than he ever should have been regarded two years into his head coaching career when he got something. Hmm. And so having someone like Trev Alberts who can maybe uh, take some things off his plate, maybe help him think differently. Uh, you hear about these CEOs that have coaches that help them, you know, sort of budget their mental ability. Maybe that's something that Trev Alberts is doing. Yeah. For Scott Frost, and there could be a, a better results for Nebraska because he's in a better place mentally, not because of everything necessarily happening around him, but because he's better able to compare, you know, to to organize things that go on in a in a massive job. Mike Schaefer uh, joining us uh, from Husker twenty four seven at seven twenty two. You listen to the Friday Husker tailgate on KLIN. All right, so I'll give you three choices. You pick the most likely scenario: starting quarterback next year. Adrian Martinez, someone else on the Husker roster, someone not on the current Husker roster. Which is the most likely? Uh, which is the most likely starting next year in Ireland? Yeah, so I, I think it's fifty percent someone not on Nebraska's roster. Let's go like thirty five percent, either Smothers or Hart. To be honest, it's probably higher than fifty percent. So let's go sixty percent. <laughs> let's go sixty fifteen. 15. No, how am I doing? 60, I 15, 25. 25 15. <laughs> the lowest for me is Adrian. I just don't, I just don't see Adrian coming back. Um, and I, I think that's a good thing. And I don't mean that as in Adrian's the source of the issues and everything else. I think at some point Scott Frost needs to a different dance partner. As his quarterback, I think it could be helpful for the offense as a whole. I think his system is very quarterback-centric. And that is not common around college football. And so uh, you have to have a special player in that role at all times. And I think Adrian can be that guy, but he just can't do it all the time and he can't stay healthy in the way that he's being asked to be used. I just think at some point they need to change that up. And I suspect that that sort of is forced by this year. I don't know where Adrian will be. I don't think he'll be in the NFL. Um, so you may have to, to brace yourself for him playing for a uh, a different team in college football. Ah, uh, please don't be a Big Ten team. Please don't be a Big Ten team. Oh, well, I can't do that, Mike. I can't do that. Uh, Adrian in Minnesota, uh, gold and pur- brown, purple, whatever that is, makes me want to vomit everywhere. So that can't What happen. about Adrian in Northwestern oh. in Ireland against Scott <laughs> <laughs> That is a scenario I have never thought of till this moment, and it makes me cringe so hard. Stop it. Oh. I don't want it. In jolly old Ireland? <laughs> I'm working on my accent. It's getting good, I think. Uh, 
<laughs> hey, let me ask you this. So, new offensive coordinator coming in at some point. How does that, you, you've covered recruiting, do a great job with it for a long time. I'm curious, how does a new, you know, you bring a new offensive coordinator, a new play caller, going to do whatever to the scheme. Meanwhile, you're recruiting to offense right now. You're going into the transfer portal, maybe looking for quarterbacks and, and wide receivers. What does the next month look like with getting that offensive coordinator in and then figuring out exactly what you want to do with the offensive personnel? Well, I think a part of why you move on when you did is that if you can get this thing in place where you hire an offensive coordinator and he's he's on the staff by about the time you finish up with Iowa, and then you can fully just transition to the transfer portal at that point. Because it, it, it almost feels like this is how it goes in terms of order of most importance, at least to me. The offensive coordinator who then has to help hire those assistant coaches but almost more important than that, he has to find the quarterback that's going to help run his system that can turn a one-year thing into a multi-year thing. And that's not going to be the easiest idea in the world. And so you kind of need to get started on that a little bit sooner than later. And so the earlier you can get somebody in and involved, the better. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, I, I guess I'd be kind of surprised if by uh, the middle of December they have every coach slotted in at that point. But um, I suspect the offensive coordinator is the first piece, and I'd be kind of surprised if they get into December without that. So I kind of think that we're in that sort of period of time over the next 14 days where you could see an announcement coming um, as to who that person's going to be. Uh, now, now I'm envisioning offensive coordinators coming in for an interview and sitting down and getting all the normal questions like, what are your strengths, weaknesses, everything else? And then the next question is, what quarterback are you bringing with you? Yeah. <laughs> because that's almost not that. I mean, there's sort of some truth to that a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it feels that way. And, and I don't know. I mean, what kind of fascinates me and what we maybe have under-discussed in all of this is that Scott Frost has really only hired one staff. And then he let yeah. three of those guys go. And then the one offensive coaching change he's ever made was Troy Walters to Matt Lubick, and he let Matt Lubick go. So it, it, not only is he being asked to hire new coaches and possibly cede some control of his own offense, he's really only doing it for the second time in his career. And that, and it may be really for the first time where it's like, I got to go get someone who might go opposite of what I want to do a little bit. So, um, there's there's a lot of kind of like stuff to work through there that we don't really know how Frost is going to handle. Um, and you're right. I mean, one of those things in those discussions is what kind of quarterback do you want and is that person available? Right. Because on their roster, I, I just don't see a, a new offensive coordinator coming in and saying, you know, I, I think one of these two guys is just going to be good enough. Yeah. Um, and I, I think Heinrich Harburg is going to be – a multi-year starter at some point in his career. I just don't think it's going to be 2022. So if you can get someone who can bridge that gap and allow him to learn a little bit more, hmm. and with all the respect in the world for what Logan Smothers has done, I don't know that he's it either. And so you're just in this weird little spot where your offensive coordinator has to be pretty aggressive. Hey, if he wants to interview me, I'll call my friends at Lincoln East and see if we can get Noah Walters up there to be the starter. How's that sound, Mike? That's I... <laughs> As one of the multiple people in the media that is just all in on Noah Walters, if Nebraska basically looks at this and they say, you know, we have a, a quarterback in our class right now that has an ACL injury that was sort of shopping himself around before that injury happened. We don't know if he's going to fit this next offense. You got a local kid here. You got the offer available. I, 
I like people will complain about it because he doesn't have any other power five offers. If you watch Noah Walters play, he could work at this level. He really could. I don't know that he'd be anywhere as good as he was against Lincoln East, but he'd be a lot better than some guys I've seen receive scholarships from Nebraska. That'd be awesome. That that'd be cool. Um, all right, last but not li- well, okay. Real first, real question: more to lose or more to gain uh, over the course of these next two games? Just, I, I suppose it's all in intangibles, but but what do you think? Well, I, I don't know that you have a lot to lose. I mean, I think you could gain some momentum with your team. I I toy between the idea that I would love to use this time period to kind of see more of guys like Alante Brown and Will Nixon, players like that, so you can kind of figure out what they are before you have to get into spring next year. I mean, I'm not saying that you just start playing only young guys, but if you can work some of them in for a series or two against Wisconsin and Iowa in the run of things and, and before the end game, I mean, I... I think that that could be really helpful for their development. So that's, I think there's plenty to be gained here, but you're not going to appease a fan base. I mean, if you win these two games, you'll appease some people. Other people are just going to be absolutely incensed that you couldn't beat Illinois, Minnesota, or Purdue and get to 6-6. Six and six. So it's just, uh, it, it, you know, the, the actual results are going to not matter so much as if they can really work in some development of some guys, I think. Well... They'll appease me if they beat Iowa because I'll be on. I'll I'll go on the field weeping because I finally will have a year with my in-laws of having bragging rights. And no player, no coach on the team knows how important that is. Well, the the saddest part of all of it is that I think it's very possible, even with the situation that they're in right now. And so that's, uh, that's just the frustrating thing about how Iowa will be number two in a year that Nebraska could actually beat them <laughs> when they have three wins. Uh, uh, last but not least, over-under on fake punts slash kicks slash trick plays <laughs> in the next two games. <laughs> uh, let's set it at like three and a half. That okay. seems a little high, uh, but you know, maybe they'll, they'll have a couple gadget plays. I don't think they're going to run a fake punt or a fake kick because I don't know that they can run a real punt or a real kick. <laughs> and so... It's difficult to assume that they're going to have the ability Hold to run the That could go either direction, Mike. I mean, that could go either. You could say, yeah, because they can't run a real one. But on the other hand, well, there's nothing to lose. You throw it up in the air, and it's almost the same likelihood as some of them being successful. So, I don't know. Yeah, what, what if they call a real punt, and it just turns out to be one of the best fake plays, and it was completely undesigned? Oh, okay, there is a 100% chance, Mike, that Scott Frost has doodled somewhere on a napkin a fake field goal play that he's been waiting to use for I don't know how long and he didn't want to do it especially this year because you know you got you wanted to stay close in these games right there's a hundred percent chance that thing's coming up some sort of pitch backwards I promise you I'm looking forward to Nebraska beating Iowa on a Chase Contreras 34 yard run (laughs) and then blowing a kiss to them oh oh, 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 I just gave myself goosebumps Mike Hey, I, Mike, I've got to ask, because Jack didn't know any of the replacement assistants other than Ron Brown. Had you heard uh, Had you heard of any of them? And if you have, who is your favorite to make it the biggest impact in the last two weeks? Well, Frank Verducci has already been coaching on the offensive line. Like he's a, he's a quality control guy, but he's basically just an extra assistant. So you don't change a lot there with your offensive line, and he'll be helped out by Steve DeMeo. And then... Steve Cooper is the the quarterback um, GA, so I, I was familiar with those three guys. I don't know the name of the person that's doing the the wide receiver coaching, Mike Cassano. Uh, but 
Yeah, and I I am not familiar with him, but uh, yeah, it's it, it sounds really bad. I don't expect a whole you know giant change for a lot of those guys. I mean, the people that they're replacing, they spend every day with, and they're probably just going to do imitations of for the most part uh, as they kind of go forward here. And then Ron Brown is probably roll out of bed and coach tomorrow so that's not a big <laughs> big deal either i'm disappointed in that answer i wanted you to tell me the entire offensive line was going to change blocking by the time we got to wisconsin <laughs> no i think you're going to see the same team for better or worse all right hey mike it was really good to talk to you i miss i miss talking to you on here um but uh still still love your work um and uh i'll be i'll be listening to the uh hype cast again next week you can use that trick play question if you want to for the hype cast as well I, I don't even know that i told you this but uh, you're you're penciled in as our hype cast guest for Iowa, so get yourself prepared for that. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Uh, turnabout is fair play on that. Hey, thank, thanks so much for your time, Mike. I appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll do it again sometime. All right. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks um, for having me on, Mike Schaefer, Husker twenty four seven. He doesn't think there's a fake kick coming. Oh, there's a fake kick coming. There is one hundred. Well, he thinks there's trick plays. I, no, there is a fake, probably field goal, but punt or field goal. I will be shocked if there's not one of those two. <laughs> they line up for a 38-yard field goal, trailing. The journey he'll take you on. And, man, I'll tell you what. I've heard the stories of the people that he's worked with. He's shown me the pieces, uh, the, the pieces of jewelry that was the result. And the stories behind them, the symbolism in them. It's intense. It's great. And they're so beautiful. And so that's the place to go if that's something. If and when you think about doing that, Daryl's is your place. And luckily, right here in our backyard or front yard in Lincoln, Nebraska. 69th and 0, Meridian Park. You can also find them online at Daryl'sJewelers.com. Who showed out this week? We award helmet stickers next. Presented by Rick Stein Recognition on 1499.3 KLIN. It is time for helmet stickers. I this has been such a long week <laughs> that I forgot that there was a game last Saturday. It's all and run so together. I, I was already thinking this was the week where there was an off weekend before uh, whatever. So I was back to back. Caleb had to, if you were watching on the Facebook feed, you got to see real life drama <laughs> during the last segment when Caleb notified me that. Uh, we did still have helmet stickers to to give out this weekend. It's and it's just you and me. That's fine. We'll go. We'll go kind of quick here. And once again, I know from having sort of talked with you a little bit, we have two of the three the same. So why don't you take one of them? I'll take the other one, and then we'll we'll say who our third is. Uh, well, I'll take the guy whose career has come to an end, and he spent some time with Nebraska. JoJo Doman um, had a couple of pass breakups, had a tackle for loss, had a quarterback hurry, had an interception, almost had two. That interception on the sideline, beautiful. <laughs> with, uh, a, with a messed up hand, too. Yeah. And, that and, was a and, gr- it was a wide receiver catch. Um, ends up with nine tackles, I think it was uh, that he was in on flying all over the place. I tweeted this out on Saturday. Nobody improved their draft stock more. Um, I know there's a receiver who played really, really well, but I was like, there, there, nobody had a better day than JoJo Doman uh, for any of the scouts that were watching a potential college football playoff team at Memorial Stadium. Um, JoJo all over the place, and then we end up learning that he was playing with a busted up hand that, that he'd hurt against uh, Purdue. Ended up having season ending surgery, so his Husker career is done. He's one of the most versatile black shirts to to have ever lined up yeah. um, on that side of the ball. 
for Nebraska. Uh, sad to see that career end, but man, if, if you... He, he made the decision to come back out and said, I want one more. Like, I know that that's so hard. They're playing Purdue, and he's just like, I want one more. I, it can't end like this. When you make that decision to, I want one more, I know it's still going to end early, but I'm going to go get that one more, he left it all out there. And that, that was so much fun to watch on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. And that interception, incredibly athletic and even more impressive that his hand was uh, messed up when, <laughs> right. when he, he made that catch as well. So I had one for JoJo, too. Then my other one, we both, I think, have this one as well, Samari Toure. Right. Um, huge game. That second uh, long catch that he had, the one in the second half where he almost scored, I said to my son right after, I was like, that's the best offensive play of the year. That's the best, maybe, individual performance on an offensive play that I've seen this entire year. Because he was the one he was weaving on? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was going to be down at the 30, and he kept going, and he kept going, and he kept going. I was like, oh my goodness, he might score here with this thing. There were three missed tackles on that single play because of what he was able to do athletically. For him, uh, you know, Nebraska... You know, it's interesting because we talk about last year, the, the improvement or the lack of from last year to this year. It is incredible. The offense was just, it was a shell last year. I mean, it really was. And it, it certainly wasn't perfect this year either. But to add a deep threat like Toure was to the offense made it a whole lot more dynamic than it was. He came in. Um, you know, it was kind of interesting during the season. He would go, he would have a big game, and then he'd be really quiet for a game or two. Go have a big game. Um, that sort of a thing, but uh, I, I'm definitely going to give him uh, a helmet sticker for a huge performance of the touchdown. Didn't have a lot of catches, but when he did, he absolutely made the most of it. All right, who's your third one? My third one is going to go to John Bullock. He got a tackle on special teams that it looked like Ohio State was going to was going to spring it, and he he made a good one on one tackle. I, are you probably even asking who John Bullock is? He's my favorite player. I, I know. Um, when we were all watching up there, we're like, wait a minute, who the heck was that? Uh, Creighton Prep, uh, he's a redshirt freshman. Uh, he's an outside linebacker, but he's getting time on special teams. To make that play, that is one of the things that you've seen some guys make some individual plays and coverage. He made that play for Nebraska's special teams on Saturday. Mm. There was the possibility, and think about that, when, when those games are close, um, you saw it with Michigan State, if someone makes a play on special teams, the game's basically done. Mm-hmm. And the game was not done until the, the very, very end, and Ohio State ran enough clock and got that final field goal. If an Ohio State special teams play, not a field goal, but breaking off a big touchdown or a big return, that would have sucked all of the momentum out of that stadium. Yeah. John Bullock stopped that. Wow. John Bullock's first helmet sticker, by the way. First one this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I assumed that he didn't have another one. Uh, no. By the way, Toure ties uh, Reimer for tops on the team with his two today. Uh, and then I'm going to finish out, and I'm going to give, I think I gave him one last week too, but I'm going to do it again. Ben Stilley, again. Mm-hmm. I thought he is, man, he has come through in his senior year. And. In addition to having just a good game, got a sack as it was, just getting the heck held out of him the entire time. (laughs) I mean, unbelievable. (laughs) And I know holding happens every time, but there were a couple. I don't know how they didn't call it. Even for, I mean, Big Ten refs, I think, even had to call a couple holdings on Ohio State they were holding so bad. You got to be holding really bad to get Big Ten refs to call multiple holdings on you against Nebraska. I think those refs were also fearful of Stilly. Because what had just happened was there was a kick catch interference, and then there was pretty sure there was a hold, and then still he was like, "Hey, 
I'm challenged today. We'll want to use extra caution, especially around high-profile vehicles. No accidents or major delays, a few volume slowdowns, and we do have several construction projects. Keep in mind, North 27th, Corner Skidder Superior, various lane closures for bridge repair. Continue to watch your speed in our school zones, neighborhoods, and near any school buses. If you come across anything that gets in your way, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. That's another check of your time saver traffic. I'm Chris Lofgren. Five topics to get you going for game day. It's a special Friday edition of the Morning Drive on the Friday Husker Tailgate. Or to get you going for bye week leaf pickup. That too. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a lot of that going That's gonna on be yesterday. Intense. Hopefully the wind took care of a decent amount of it for me yesterday. Award yourself a helmet sticker if you're out doing that yeah, in this absolutely. wind. Absolutely. Let's go get that out of my lawn. Get into the neighbor's lawn. <laughs> Number five. Uh, as we've talked about a couple of times today, but yesterday JoJo Doman did make it official, uh, announced that his career as a Husker has come to a close, injured his hand against Purdue, decided to put off surgery so that he could play against Ohio State, had that season-ending surgery on his hand. Now the question is, Jack, who's the next guy? Because well, he's such a different hybrid position. He's a yeah. pass rusher and a defensive back. You know, yeah, kind of, and I think they tried to get him more involved in the pass rush game last week and had a little success. So I don't know exactly. I know, I know Luke Gifford had kind of been playing that role as his backup. I'm not sure if they're ready to get him or Isaac Gifford, mm-hmm. uh, which is the younger one. I'm having a uh, Isaac is the younger one. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's the younger one. He had been kind of playing that. I don't know if he's going to get some time or if they look at you know some of the other guys who are safeties to do that. I I, I wonder about that. Well, I think it depends on on the package. What you were able to do with JoJo was keep him out there in, in different situations, um, depending on what you needed him to do. Now it might mean bringing in a defensive back or bringing in a specific linebacker. Mm-hmm. It might just be two guys, realistically, um, and it depends on, on what they're able to do, their strengths and weaknesses. Is it Gifford? Is it you have to bring out another uh, defensive back? Do we see Deontay Williams come back? Oh, yeah. I forgot um, about that. Because that would, uh, that's another super senior guy, but that is a hard-hitting defensive back mm-hmm. who might be able to slide up and, and fill some of that. Obviously not as big as JoJo, um, but if you don't have Deontay Williams back, you've already got your defensive backs. They're, they're down a guy. Mm-hmm. Do you have to have another guy that can run out there and fill the coverage void with JoJo being gone? Um, If you do get big, because that's going to be one of the other things. You're going to have to be big the next couple of weeks. I think it's going would be better for this uh, this defense to throw another linebacker out there anyway. All right. Well, we'll see. You know, maybe we'll see a little bit more of of Caleb Tanner. We see, he had a decent game actually. He had a sack. Yeah, yeah, he had a pretty good game. We hadn't seen a ton of him this year. Um, Phil Darius Payne's kind of been in and out. You know, maybe we'll see some of those guys. Number four. All right, couple of games left, and as we've talked about, there have been a number of assistants gone, but there are players with decisions to make. Among them, quarterback Adrian Martinez, four-year starter. Four-year captain. Four-year, three-year? I don't know. He seems like he's been a captain every single year. Um, He's been a captain more than anyone else in a Husker uniform. Has the option to return. What do you think he does? I don't know. I I, I don't know because you have a new... two, Two different questions. What do you think he does... What would you do if you were Adrian? I would. Oh, if I was Adrian? I'm just kidding, I thought you were going to say if I was Scott Frost. If I'm Frost, I would say 
I'll answer that question, even though you didn't ask it. I'll say, <laughs> hey, you're welcome to come back, but it is a all-out Syria. We are bringing in. We're, we're bringing someone we're in into the to absolutely. Ab- I mean, right, right, right. And you will have to absolutely beat them out. Uh, that's a hard conversation to have. If I'm him, if I'm him, it'd probably hard not to look at getting a new one last new start somewhere else. Uh huh. That'd be real. But I know he and Frost are like this, so so I don't know. That, the, one last shot, try and get completely healthy. I don't know if he wants to keep playing, though, right? Like, I don't know if after college that's what he wants to do. He's just, I don't know. I, he's got a future, a big future, a non-football future somewhere. Uh, I'm very convinced. Very of that. personable young yeah. man. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, I think he's got a lot of non-football skills that are going to serve him really well. And so, you know, maybe it's time to, hey, Maybe it's time to be a uh, a, a graduate assistant. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's an offensive thing for him to hear. I don't know. He seems like if he, he wants to get into coaching, he may may do that, get that started. So if, I don't know. If I'm Adrian, first of all, I think he's going to go play football somewhere else. Okay, I think that's what the decision's ultimately going. Please to don't be. be in the Big Ten. Right. If I'm Adrian, I'm coming back, even with and saying yes, absolutely, go get someone in the transfer portal. I want to be here. I want that competition. I'm comfortable here. Like, I've been here for four years. I know what your offense is, even if things change a little bit. I'm coming back for one more year, even if that means I'm a backup for Mm -hmm. most, if not all, of the year, and then transition that into being a grad assistant. You basically get a year start while being able to go play still. Yeah. Or at least, well, hold the clipboard, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, There's a lot of interesting moving parts (laughs) to that whole thing. Number three. Ah, kicking issues came back again. Missed a couple last week, including deciding to kick a field goal late in the game when you had a chance uh. to go for a touchdown and take uh. the lead. Um, a little bit of that is the decision-making to kick the field goal anyway, but two, just at some point, guys have got to make them, right? I, 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 down six, I just... I don't like that call so much, and I said it at the time. I was like, "Don't, don't kick this because you're still gonna have to kick another one to tie it." At that point, you 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 got more chance of getting a touchdown in one of two possessions than you do getting two field goals. Mm-hmm. To be honest, right with the way the kicking has gone, and sure enough, right away, I don't know what's I don't know anything about kicking, Caleb. I don't know squat about right. kicking. So, like, can you coach? Can, can, is it is that a coaching issue? Is that a recruiting issue? What I mean, what do you say about Connor Culp? He was really good last year. I don't think it's a recruiting issue because you've got quality guys in that kicking room. You have quality guys in that punt room. I, to me, it's got to be coaching. I and, and here's the thing: I, I, I will uh, amend this with I know nothing about kicking and punting at that level and how it should be coached and what you should do. But just like anything else. I think if you've got a coach, and right now Mike Dawson is the special teams coordinator, there's got to be someone who is dedicated to the specialists to say, you're doing this, you're working on this, this is how you get better. Because if they're missing them in games and they're shanking them in games, i got to imagine it's happening in practice too. You would think, but could, Contreras won the competition in practice. So they, they basically had a, a kickoff, right? You, you had told us that, and he won it. But so he was making them obviously. Right. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, other than it's just man, it's a. I don't know. <laughs>
It's got to get better. Um, what do these last two games mean now? On the road to Wisconsin and hosting Iowa already out of bowl contention. This is about, honestly, the, the thing that this is most about, I think, is about what the fan mood is going to be going into the offseason. Yeah. Uh, and that's... And, that may not be a big deal within the program, but the way that it impacts our lives, at least, and it, the way that it'll just it'll, it'll affect the mood around here. Because listen, if it's two bad losses, nothing's changing. But there's going to be a lot of people who are saying, "Hey, I told you so." If if it's you know end up with a win against Iowa, or my goodness, if you go two and zero in those last two, the the level of excitement and momentum is is going to be significant, I think, and so. Yeah, it's all about mood, and that impacts. That impacts, because that does bleed into the team, right? That does bleed into the program as well. Um, and so, yeah, it, I, th- I think, and I think there's actually a bigger upside there, potential, than there is downside. Yeah. But th- that's what I'd say about I also, this. Th- I also really want to see in these last couple games some younger guys get in. Maybe you can show them, hey, there's a spot, you're working into this, so you avoid, because there will be some guys hit the portal. I don't know who, I don't know how many, but there, there inevitably is when you lose your position coach, someone's going to go. How can you keep some of those guys from going, mm-hmm. especially if you like their progress and where they're going? Yeah. All right. Number one. <laughs> Three weeks left. Who's winning the Big Ten West? By the way, Minnesota's 4-2, and two, Purdue's 4-2, and two, Wisconsin's 4-2, and two, and Iowa is 4-2. <laughs> Um, also, Illinois is three and four. So now, I guess Purdue or Wisconsin is playing the best, right? right? But at other times, you know, Purdue lost to Minnesota already this year. Wisconsin looked terrible earlier this year. Then they just by phone. A story time with Stye is going to be by phone. He's traveling today. Can't wait to hear what he has to say about everything that went on this week. But first, I do want to check in with our friend from the Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau, Mister Jeff Mall. Good morning, Jeff. How are you doing? I just combing my hair back the way it was supposed to be after I came in from out of doors. <laughs> it's a pretty bad. Uh, it's that first day where you go outside and you're like, no, I'm not ready for this, right? <laughs> I wasn't ready listening to it in the house last night. Oh, you know, yeah. The house is like shaking and the windows are buffeting. And, right. Yeah, it's... Uh, I'm not ready for this. I did the one thing I did though is I went outside and I cheered for my leaves to go into the neighbor's lawn, which that was that was good. We got a few yeah, of them out. We need some more work done today by the wind, though. Uh, yeah, that's just rude, Jack. That's just rude. <laughs> do your job, pick up your leaves, and don't make it somebody else's problem. Sure. Okay, I will. Okay. I'll do that. Uh, hey, how's how's everything going? I know we we've kind of had some yeah. short hits, sir, during the uh, the football season. Um, it's it's been a while since we got a big kind of check in on the uh, kind of on the hospitality industry, the hotel industry, uh, all of those things. Where are we at right now in the capital city with that stuff? Doing real well, um, and I appreciate you asking. Uh, the the thing that we look back on, we collect lodging tax two months in arrears, so you know we've been really waiting for July and August numbers to come in, and uh, our July numbers were incredible. Now, July 2021 was 141% increase over July of 2020, so 141% over a pandemic year, hey, big deal, Jeff, whatever. But it was our best ever July in the history of lodging tax collections and that we were 12% over our previous best in July of 2016. And so, you know, we can point towards the high school finals rodeo. We can point towards the high school coaches association. But probably more importantly, just that pent-up demand to get out and travel and, and take a vacation and see some things and do some things that we didn't get to do during the pandemic. So things are certainly ticking upwards. Our August numbers are, are looking really good as well, and I would thank Mr. Garth Brooks for an incredible August <laughs> in the capital city. 
Um, so, yeah, things are ticking up, and I think most recently to kind of show the trend, um, unofficially just kind of talking to the NSAA, State High School Volleyball came in as the second best ever in uh, the way of attendance. Oh, wow. High School Volleyball Tournament. So, um, yeah, things things feel good. They feel normal. Um, so, yeah, right now just really kind of pinching myself going, hey, we just need to kind of, you know, stay the course here, be optimistic, and, and continue to welcome people to the capital city. I think that volleyball really helped having the, the site at Pinnacle Bank Arena until the finals instead of things Caleb, spread I around. Couldn't agree with you more, my friend. I, I think that new format, which was, if you look back, that was a COVID-induced format, uh, bringing everything in because we couldn't use the Devaney Center last year because of uh, COVID regulations on campus. So uh, the new format worked great. I think having everybody there, seeing a couple courts of action, and I'll tell you, the D1 talent coming out of Class A, Class B, and other classes this year in Nebraska yeah. high school volleyball was pretty crazy and, and pretty pretty fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, that's that's great to hear. Um, and now we we move into some of the uh, the winter stuff, the fall into the the winter stuff. I'm sure uh, in the coming weeks when we talk to you, you're going to have a lot of holiday type stuff and and things going on. Why don't you give us a little bit of a preview of uh, what we've got coming up this weekend? Fun little event tonight. I want you to call ahead for this. This is Butterfly Bakery Presents Cookies After Dark. This is an adult-themed cookie decorating contest. I don't know where this is going. I don't know what it's going to be like. <laughs> you should have seen, give them a call. You should have seen Caleb in my eyes when you said that. You have my interest. <laughs> <laughs> so it uh, should be a lot of fun. This weekend's theme is harvest. You don't want to miss out on this. Call Butterfly Bakery at 4209 South 33rd Street. James Arthur Vineyards presents Paint a Bottle for the Holidays. I assume it's probably Drink a Bottle, Paint a Bottle, keeping in kind of a fun theme here. A lot of things going on there, 630 to 830 uh, tonight at a James Arthur Vineyards birthdays for all the Lego enthusiasts out there. Lancaster Event Center on North 84th on Saturday and Sunday. And Nebraska Wesleyan's football season wraps this weekend uh, with a game against the Cohawks of Co College. Girls are ready to take on that team. One o'clock on Saturday. Tickets are available. Looks like high of fifty-one tomorrow. Might be a great day to get out and enjoy some great Prairie Wolf activity. There you go. There will be football played in Lincoln tomorrow. After all, there will. There yeah. you go. All right. Very good, Jeff. Uh, sounds like fun. We always appreciate you coming on with us. We will. Uh, we'll talk what's going on for the holidays. Probably coming up in the next few weeks on Fridays. Have a good one. All right. All right. See you guys. There you go, Jeff Mall, Lincoln Canush Radio. KLIN Weather brought to you by John Henry's Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Your Friday afternoon and evening is looking on the cold side as we'll be well below average today with highs in the upper 30s. We'll see cloudy skies out there and even some snow flurries lingering into the afternoon, nothing accumulating. We'll also hold on to those breezy winds, gusts around 35 miles per hour or higher, but they'll come into the late evening hours. I'm Storm Alert Team Meteorologist Brittany Foster. It's not bedtime, but we're pretty sure this guy's put some people to sleep. <laughs> Cuddle up to your radio and settle in. It's time for Story Time with Stai. Brought to you by Exchange Bank. Yes! Yeah, he's not here. He's traveling the country. You know, we, we, Brendan creates such a great athletic family. Here's the problem. Uh, then you know, all through, it's not only it's not only growing up, it's not only high school, it's into college. He's got kids to go watch play sports, and uh, he gets very busy on these bye weekends. But he gl- we're glad he gets a chance to do that. But man, we had to talk to him this week after everything that's happened. Good morning, Brandon. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing good. How are you guys this morning? Good. We good. miss you. We miss you. Uh, but, I'm sure you do. But ex- <laughs> <laughs> the studio smells better. <laughs> do I get to do I get to rub in my record again? Going against you guys on our picks or what? Yeah, it's great not to. You know that is the one good thing about you winning the picks <laughs> is you're never here to talk about it in person uh, for the most part. So I do I do like that. Um, so Brandon, uh, you know I tried to get as much out of you as I could last week. I wasn't very successful, but just kind of tell me what it was like um, being at at the University of Nebraska athletic department uh, here this week, and and just give me kind of your reflections on everything that happened. Well, you know, I think, you know, as we were leading up to uh, the last couple weeks, kind of felt like something was amiss and, you know, obviously not winning games. There's always that, uh, that cloud of, uh, you know, uncertainty. And uh, I think a lot of people were looking for answers, um, you know, with Trev being the athletic director coming out and saying something. And then you got word that Ted had mentioned something that there would be an announcement and, I think the cloud just for the coaches um, was a little unnerving, uh, not knowing, not hearing anything. Mm-hmm. And, and then when we uh, rolled into Monday, uh, kind of figured something was going to happen. And, and, you know, it's it's an unfortunate deal. I mean, we all, I think, uh, you know, admittedly, we want Scott to do well. And we want these coaches to do well. Uh, but the... You know, the fact of the matter is uh, we're in a, a business of uh, wins and losses. And as much as I can sit back and tell you, you know, from what I've seen with Scott and, um, you know, the way that uh, he has turned the program around internally, um, you know, it it boils down to the end of the day, does it work out on the field? And there needed to be a change. And so, um, you know, I, I, I really believe it was the right decision to keep Scott. Probably the most difficult thing uh in business, uh, let alone in the coaching space, is you know not holding on to guys too long. Um, whether that's an entire staff or as a head coach making a decision to part ways with assistants, and so you know finding the time to do that's always the most difficult. And it's not necessarily when you hire; it's it's knowing when to let go and fire. I and Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, just on that, you can you pick. I just can't, and I know it happens all the time in football. It happens all the time in business. I can't imagine though going in, opening the door, and having that conversation, saying, "Man, I know we've been together all these years, but I got to let you go." It's, I mean, it's just got to stink. Oh, well, I, I mean, it, so just for an example, like my first agent was the first time I ever hired somebody and paid, you know, a guy money to work for me, and you know, obviously his responsibility was to put me in the right position to do uh, the things we wanted to do. Um, And, you know, it came to a point where I felt like things were not right. It was the hardest thing I have ever had to do uh, to that point in my life was to pick up the phone and and write a letter on top of that, uh, notifying the league that I was uh, terminating my relationship with an agent. So Mm -hmm. it was, uh, again, it's never easy. And, you know, again, it makes it even more difficult when they're, you're close to people, uh, friends, and let's just admit it. Uh, the, the friendships uh, are, you know, that's one of the things you rely on. Um, the trust factor in coaching. Uh, that's why you see a lot of guys, you know, in the cycle of getting hired and fired. They usually stick with the people that they know and get picked up. And so that's going to be one of the more difficult things for Scott is, you know, finding the right pieces, the right coaches, uh, and having some sort of relationship and or trust uh, that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
T- talk to me, Brendan, a little bit about. Th- there's a lot of conversation about you know, kind of. You mentioned it even in your your first answer, where it was just kind of changing changing it from the inside. Uh, how much does that that kind of inside leadership matter? The relationships with the coach and the athletic director that you're going to see with Scott and Trev. Oh, what we see is on the field, right? What we see is the results. How much can that other stuff change with the same coach in place to really impact what you see on the field? Well, you know, coaches coach, uh, athletic directors lead, and, you know, I know that uh, Trev has been very, very good for Scott to be a sounding board. He's, uh, you know, he's he's a guy that he wants to be visible. He wants to be accessible. Um you know, and you have to let those coaches coach. Uh, and, you know, it's like I said, a sounding board. And, you know, if there is problems, working through some of those problems. And I I truly believe uh, when you have great leadership, uh, you know, everything is on the table. And the most important thing is communication, um, you know, with your leadership as far as an athletic director and the head coach. And then your head coach with your assistant coaches, if you're not able to communicate. And, you know, at some point... Um, you know, find a solution. And if you can't, there has to be an agreement to disagree. And so I think that that's where uh, this boiled to, Um, you know, offensively, I think we all expected Scott after he came out of central Florida to, you know, just have this amazing offensive onslaught. And, you know, he needed, he even put himself out there and saying, you know, people were going to have to adjust to his style and, and on the flip side of that, I think we all kind of expected the defense to really struggle just because of the boat race it was when we were watching games for uh, Central Florida. And it's it's turned out to be the quite different uh, scenario. And so, uh, yeah, it's 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 been it's been very frustrating. And I think what has happened uh, at the end is again there was a an agreement to disagree, and they finally got it all on the table and. Mm-hmm. And I think Trev has, has done a good job of being the sounding board and 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 really, uh, you know, getting down to uh, brass tacks with Scott and saying, "Hey, listen, I mean, this again, we're in the business of winning and losing. We, I, I think, the best decision is, you know, to you know, restructure your contract and uh, take a hard look at, uh, you know, what you think needs to change." And I think Scott um, had. I think it had been boiling for a while with Scott and some of the changes that needed to be made. You, you've been involved in negotiations, big negotiations before as a, as a player. When, when you hear that somebody came to their employer and said, I want to stay here to the point that I am willing to give up half of this buyout, give up a lot of potential dollars down the road if thing goes, things go well, how rare is something like that and what's your reaction to that? Again, it, it boils down to business deals, and what we see uh, year in and year out um, is these contracts that are just ridiculous that guarantee a lot of money uh, to coaches that don't produce. And I think, uh, you know, really the angle at which uh, Nebraska and Trev wants to take, and, and this goes at all levels, is having good business deals. And so you never know. Something like this could actually uh, have a rippling effect uh, throughout college football and and really um you not not to say that it's incentive uh bonus kind of laden uh but certainly is you know you're as good as the record shows mm-hmm. and um you know that record is reflective of how you're doing things and the people that are doing it with you so um i think probably the most important thing you guys to take from this is to understand that scott is a hundred percent 
in. Yeah. He is, you know, he is a Nebraska guy through and through. He wants Nebraska to do well. He wants to succeed. Um, but I think he had to sit back and, and take a, a hard look at how he does that. And, and so it, it, it seems to me that his paradigm has shifted into um, more of an empowerment uh, with the other coaches, kind of like what uh, Coach Osborne uh, had done when you know he was coach at Nebraska and really finding uh, those guys around him that he can empower, and, and that gives him time to be more or less uh, a CEO. And that, you know, that, that has to do with leading a team and how the team operates and functions, as well as dealing with the media and dealing with donors and everything that comes along with that. And Nebraska is um, a different, uh, you know, situation, unlike other schools. And Mm -hmm. most coaches will tell you that the the greatest satisfaction that they get out of coaching is being on the field with those guys and, and being there to, you know, watch them grow and help them develop and, um, you know, as a head coach, you know, in particular at Nebraska, um, it, it's difficult to do that um, and, and, you know, quote unquote, have fun. And at the end of the day, you know, everybody has to have fun with what they're doing. You have to love what you're doing. Um, but the hat that you wear at a power five school like Nebraska is multifaceted. And yeah. I think that that's where the shift is going to happen. It's, it's real. That's really interesting to hear you say that because I think there were times when I saw and heard Scott at the beginning of his tenure when things weren't going well. And there was a part of me that said, man, I don't, I think he'd rather, I think he wishes he hadn't come. Like I, I just thought that maybe true, maybe not, but he came off that way. That can be put to bed now. I mean, he wants to be here. You said it exactly right there. And he put his money where his mouth is uh, on yep. that. And he's, he's convinced me with it as well. And, and to me, that alone is, is significant in, in my thinking. Let me, ask you this though about what you said there at the end about um, having assistant coaches maybe do a little bit more changing your role you've done a great job of kind of giving us an idea of what's really going on with with coaches play calling communicating all of those sorts of things on the sidelines I've learned a ton from you on that how how practically if Frost isn't the play caller what does how much does that open up to do open up him up to do other things like what else the time that is saved by not actually play calling or the or the concentration what does that open up him to do and how, how might that help what he is uh, able to do it and, and like i'm just curious what your experience is with either coaches who did or didn't call plays yeah i think um the stress levels um are not to say they're eased uh, but they're shifted in different areas uh, which allows you to Again, uh, have the ability to trust your assistant coaches. You know, certainly he's not going to be detached from the day-to-day and game planning right. and putting together his thoughts and, and trying to, you know, parlay them into a game. Uh, and during a game, uh, you know, a lot of if, – if you're – if you've got guys um, all week long, you've been game planning and, and you're relying on them during a game uh, to put you in the right position to make the call – uh, that's an added stressor, uh, you know, and now it's a, you know, I think when you shift into relying on somebody calling the plays and then you're listening to it. And, and most of the time, as you look at the sideline, uh, that's what's happening. And, and, you know, they'll, they'll go back and forth between, um, you know, the coach's box up there and the coach on the sideline. And you'll, you'll see a coach kind of sitting there and listening to it and, and, and other coaches will have the play sheet in their hand and the guys up top will be like, Hey, here's, here's what the defense is doing. Um, you know, here's three plays that I suggest, uh, you know, and this is based on, you know, formation, personnel, tendencies, down and distance, all that stuff. The guy up in the box, 
uh, is getting suggestions if you're a play caller as a head coach. Now what's happening is, you know, Scott is a part of the conversation, a part of the game plan. Um, he is more, more or less the CEO sitting back. And if he does have a recommendation, now it kind of reverses. You know, if it's uh, upstairs, they're having, a, a, you know, an issue with trying to find their mojo and things aren't working, then he can kind of interject. Um, but then having the ability to kind of focus on the sideline and, and really touching each and uh, every group, and that goes for offense, defense, and special teams as well. And, and I've always said this, the most interesting thing and really just fascinating thing with Coach Osborne was here's a guy that was never – he never really told me, okay, hey, you have to you know step with your left foot here and do this a little bit better here with technique. And he was always a guy that – he had a great understanding of all three phases and not every head coach has that. Mm-hmm. Some guys are more defensive. Uh, their background is the right. defensive side or maybe it's special teams or maybe offense, but coach Osborne could stand on the field at any given moment in a practice and, and, and look around whether it was defense, offense or special teams and know when somebody was not doing something right. Hmm. That is a great understanding. That is being able to see the forest and not necessarily the individual trees. Hmm. Really interesting there. Um, you bring a new offense coordinator, and it's hard because you don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be, but how much do you think that potentially takes Nebraska away from its current style? And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that it wants to do. Or how much is kind of the Frost style of offense? Can that be combined with a new offensive coordinator? What what happens with that combination of, of the old the old thoughts and what's there currently and bringing somebody new in to start doing this stuff? That's the million-dollar question here. Um, you know, you listen to Scott and, and, and kind of where his thought process is. I think uh, having fresh ideas, um, I don't necessarily think he's going to get entirely away from, you know, his background and the offensive style that he runs. Uh, but certainly uh, adding fresh ideas, um, adding an expertise of maybe a different style, combining. And, and again, I don't know where that's going to go. I can't imagine, you know, that, you know, they're going to start over because that's difficult to do even yeah. with the uh, current players. And I did that with Bo Pelini, Tim Beck. Uh, we integrated a brand new offense mm-hmm. and you're starting from square one, um, you know, with terminology and, uh, you know, uh, different types of scheme, whether you're a, a zone team, you're a gap kind of blocking scheme to, you know, spreading it out. Um, you know, and all those things I think can be integrated um, so that's that's going to take uh, you know some time uh, to number one figure out who you want to be identify that and then integrate that into teaching. So it's uh, it, again I don't truly I, I really don't believe that you know Scott's going to flush it all down the toilet and say whoever comes in hey start from scratch and let's uh, let's let's get more uh, down to you know being kind of a Big Ten you know uh, coming off the ball the three cloud you know. The cloud of dust behind you, run, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's going to be more of an integration between uh, the new offensive coordinator and his some of his experience and what Scott does. I probably should ask you, I mean, the news has been on the coaching front, but, you know, we had kind of a, a crazy game last week. Uh, and, Brendan, again, again we are talking about this, uh, playing really well against a really good team for large portions of the game and just falling short at the end. Uh, 
I mean, what do you make? What is it about playing to the opposition? Is it about? I don't know because largely I felt. I mean, unbelievable what the defense was able to do, um, and then a couple of moments for the offense as well. Was that? What's your reaction to seeing that game here there last Saturday? Just about who this team actually is. Again, I think. Um... You know, let's start off with the negative. Uh, making plays in pressure situations has been the problem, uh, and, and, and that goes uh, with all three phases. I think defensively, we've seen improvement uh, exponentially uh, out of all those phases. Offensively, you know, there are times when we look really, really good, but it, it just seems like when we're put in those situations where plays need to be made, um, you know, some of our players that are in key positions aren't getting it done, and and that goes for the same on on you know with special teams. But what I saw uh, last Saturday was uh, you know kind of a collection of all of our good games, really, mm-hmm. and that's what we talked about going into and playing a team like Ohio State, uh, bringing all of those games together: the Michigan, the Michigan State, uh, the Oklahoma. You know, uh, the close games that we've been in where we've shown a lot of signs of being a really good team. And then statistically, when you look at, um, you know, all of the numbers that we put together this year, it's, it's incredible. I mean, we really should be a team uh, that, you know, is ranked 15th in the country, yeah. you know, I mean, based on those type of statistics. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at the points that we left on the field, just in uh, special teams, 24 points. I mean, and can you imagine, yeah. you know, I mean, how many games and where we'd be sitting right now, this conversation would be completely different. Um, but again, you know, going against Ohio State, here's a team that we held uh, to less than 35 points. And, you know, I mean, that hadn't happened all season long. And, and it just, you know, you got to look at the glass being half full and a lot of the good things that we've done. But then it's trying to figure out that missing link and, and, and really, you know, making a decision based on that it's just it's just the most flummoxing season brandon i mean Mm -hmm. there's no one it feels like there's no one that can come in and just handle you easily in the entire nation but then (laughs) there are games you know then you just say illinois purdue minnesota man if you had been getting those games Mm -hmm. um boy it just looks a whole lot dear i mean you get one of those and a bowl game still alive um so it's it's just a weird season I think the parity is, is really kind of the conversation. Uh, it, it, mm-hmm. I think from the outside looking in at, from a fan, you know, when you do hear the Illinois with a brand-new coach uh, coming into the season with all the weapons that we had, I mean, we should be able to handle these guys mentally. I mean, I think people thought that. But today's game, uh, you know, it's such a fine line. Uh, the competition is is pretty linear, you know, and you have great coaching. Uh, you know, you have – a lot of different elements that go into these games versus, you know, back when I was in the big eight, you know, you really, you could count, you know, three teams that you had to really prepare for. So it's difficult for a player uh, back then to get yourself amped and pumped. And then as a fan, you expect, Oh, the lesser teams that don't have the history, the tradition, and and normally, you know, don't win a lot of games. You're going to just, you know, stop all over them. And that's just not the case anymore. I mean, you're even in basketball, you're seeing it. I mean, it's just incredible the amount of talent out there and, 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 you know, these athletes are, you know, they're going to, you know, the group of five schools are going to the lesser power five and they're having an opportunity to play, play early and be on TV. And so you're finding 
the recruiting, and, there, and obviously there's the exception to the rule. Um, you know, Ohio, with the recruiting base there and the amount of success Ohio State had yeah. year in and year out, they get, uh, you know, four-star, five-star guys, Alabama, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but everywhere else, I mean, it just seems to me, you know, the parity is such that, you, you know, you can't put your guard down uh, mentally as a player. you got to be able to yeah. uh, attack every single game like it uh, is it. It is an Ohio State opponent, and in a, from a fan's perspective in the media, um, you know, there has to be an expectation that, you know, it's any given Saturday, any given Sunday in the NFL, it's a fine line. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It really is. Uh, last question, because I know you got to run. Uh, what's, how much, uh, what can you get out of these last two games? Uh, maybe a better, a better way to frame it is how, uh, how much could a couple of wins or at least a win, uh, a win and a close game help going into this offseason with intangibles? Yeah, it's it's a difficult situation. It's really I feel bad for the guys, uh, you know, the the student athletes, um, the players on the team because they've lost their mentors um, in a lot of situations, um, you know. And so mentally, it's it's going to be a challenge for these guys to to step up. And of course, we're down a couple players. Jojo, I, I, it was really hard to you know hear him uh, talk about his injury and, and not having a chance to finish the season. Where the guy's just had an amazing career. He's a great leader. Um, and I think, you know, to be honest with you, I think the leadership uh, on that team is, is strong. And I think that that's going to be the difference uh, going into these last two games. Heading into Madison, um, you know, you, you know what you're going to get out of Wisconsin. It's going to be a very physical game. Um, you know, I think our, our defense is going to be challenged. Uh, and then, you know, I think there's maybe some inspiration from the offensive side, uh, you would hope. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, playing the last two games for those guys that uh, were your coaches and, and going out and, and being the spoiler and, and really kind of keep building off of what you did and, and finding out how to win a game. Yeah. Also run every fake punt and trick play that you've got in the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please. Leave nothing in the bag, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see the crazy uh, hook and ladder, Hail Mary, <laughs> flea flicker, fake punt. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> uh, hey, Brandon, thanks so much. Travel safely this weekend, and we'll catch up again uh, with you next Friday. I really appreciate your time this morning. You got it. All right, you guys. Have a great weekend. There you go. Brendan Stye, and we will not let him come on any further because he's in the lead in the picks, and I don't want to hear him talk about that. So his time on the show is done. Nope, that was about enough of him. That's enough of him. We'll do the picks without him. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. Enough of that the, guy. just saw the standings. Yeah, I updated those. Uh, what's worse, having to listen to Brendan or looking at where you're at? You know, um... Uh, Jessica hasn't given us hers this week. I think we're going to have to do a coin flip for hers. Coin flip for Jessica. That's what I say. Because I might be between able to... what zero and one. Well, for... one or two. No, no. Oh, for, for, first, for, for the of... for the picks oh, for her picks. I was like. KLIN weather brought to you by John Henry's Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Your Friday afternoon and evening is looking on the cold side as we'll be well below average today with highs in the upper 30s. We'll see cloudy skies out there and even some snow flurries lingering into the afternoon, nothing accumulating. We'll also hold on to those breezy winds, gusts around 35 miles per hour or higher, but they'll calm into the late evening hours. I'm Storm Alert Team Meteorologist, Brittany Foster. Bragging rights mean everything to these guys. So, let the trash talk begin. It's time to call your shot in the Friday Husker Tailgate Pickskin Picks of the Week. Presented by WC South Sports Bar. 
All right, uh, we've got a little bit of time before the picks of the week. We'll, we'll get to that here in a second. Just a couple of programming notes here for the weekend with Husker Sports. And Caleb, maybe instead of me uh, trying to stumble through them, you should you should give everybody <laughs> the real detail on what's happening. Yeah, so first of all, this evening we have got men's basketball, 6.30 pregame, 7.30 tip-off hosting Sam Houston State. And Jack and I are going to be giving a... I was like, I don't know what you're pointing at. My Nebraska, my Herbie Nebraska ball hat. I was like, what did I miss? What did I get wrong? Anyway, Jack and I are going to be back in studio from 6 to 6.30 uh, to bridge that gap between Drive Time Lincoln and the network taking over their pregame. So we will be back for that one. There's also there's volleyball and women's basketball going on at the same time on Sunday. So volleyball is going to be on B1073. Women's basketball is going to be right here on KLIN. So and same with volleyball tonight, too, right? Uh, I mean, going on at the same time as the men's uh, that, basketball That's right. Tonight. Volleyball tonight will be on B1073. Yeah. Um, so we, both- weird weekend for volleyball, by the way, because they're at home tonight, then they're at Indiana Sunday. Okay. I, I talked with Coach Cook yesterday, and he said they've never done it before, and it's very weird, um, and it, it's messing with kind of a, a prep schedule, how, how you do that from playing your game and then going on yeah, the road somewhere. But normally you're going, if it's a prep schedule, you're going to Omaha, you know, from Lincoln to Omaha or something. Right. The, it's, it's interesting when you look at the way they put this basketball. There's a couple of nights where... There's a couple of nights like that where not only do you have them while while they're on the road, but big home games. I think that uh, next Friday, Penn State comes to the Devaney Center for a huge volleyball game. And that Idaho State game, which we're going to give tickets away to one of our Facebook viewers, is that same night. Uh, and so, yeah, you've got, you've got a couple of nights like that here where there are two uh, significant sporting events going on at the same time. It really stinks because, obviously, like we're excited for the men's basketball game in, in all of the Husker sports. But volleyball is into their conference season, and they're into the stretch. Yeah, and like you want to watch and pay attention to those matches as well. Wrestling started last night, um, also. So like there was a million things happening. Mm-hmm. Wrestling started out two and zero, beat uh, beat Shadron State and UNK in the uh, Nebraska duels. Yes, there's a lot happening right now. Yeah, it's uh, there. There is a lot happening right now as we transition into those winter sports, and, and then just real quick. Caleb, um, I don't know, concern level after game one for Nebraska basketball and the uh, the loss to Western Illinois? It's not very high, just because of what I was able to watch during those exhibition games. Yes, they were exhibition games. Yes, one of them was against Peru State. Um, that there's, clear, like, there's a clear talent difference that really doesn't end up mattering how well you play. But what I saw was the way Nebraska ball played against Peru State in Colorado that like I have some concerns, but what we saw on Tuesday was not the same team. There, there was so much me basketball, get mine basketball, and yeah, it worked out that Alonzo Verge Jr. And, and Bryce McGowan's combined to score 51, but at the same time, a lot of their shots were just drive into a crowd, get way too deep into the lane, and then throw up some wild shot, um, and that's how Verge took the last shot of the game. If they can get away from that, and they can find guys who are open on the perimeter to take those threes, that's how Nebraska opened it up against Colorado early, was getting into the paint, not getting too deep, but getting into the paint and kicking it out for someone wide open, and they were just drilling threes one after the other. That's how you're going to open the game up, and they never did that on Tuesday. If if the mentality can switch back in the three days between uh, Western Illinois and, and Sam Houston State tonight, 
Nebraska ball still has a chance to be pretty special this year. Mm-hmm. But I don't know where that mentality decided to come. I think maybe because the regular season, now these actually count. That that switch happened there, but they got to get away from that and, and play team basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I I agree. And, and hopefully that's, you know, the rebounding thing, I don't know how fixable that is either. Um, I just saw a piece here where they made uh, that Hoiberg had his team watch every rebound that they didn't get. Oh, jeez. Uh, that that was know, a it, few. It was, it was interesting, though, because it looked, it didn't look like they were, like not in position a lot of the time no. even it was just i don't know it was just like the other team was trying harder or something i don't know no yeah and that's what it was the the other team wanted it more that's why they grabbed 23 offensive rebounds that's that's why western illinois got all of those um uh, that's going to be an issue over the course of the year charles barkley was a great rebounder not because he was 7 foot 4 he was a short dude playing the post but he wanted it more than you did dennis rodman who who yeah. out there and he just outworked dudes yeah, to go get true. rebounds. You think about those guys and what they're able to do rebounding. It had nothing to do with height and had everything to do with want to. Sam Hybe for women's basketball. She had eight rebounds last night. She's not in the top ten for tallest girls that were out there. Yeah. And but she's gonna go and she's gonna outwork you to get that ball. That's what Nebraska needs more guys doing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that was my quality parenting. Uh, I gave my my son as he was growing up being a basketball player. I was like, the cool thing is, even you know, even when you've got guys who are around you who are more talented, you can if if you want to, you can almost always be a star rebounder, right? If you just really want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that especially is true of of younger kids. So, nonetheless, we will see again tonight. Knight versus Sam Houston State, who, by the way, if you, you know, it's it's hard at the beginning of the year to really know, but at least according to, like, the computer ratings, Ken Palm rankings, Sam Houston State's a better team, uh, one of the better of the low, uh, of the the small conference, uh, non-conference opponents that Nebraska will face. We looked them all up. I think South Dakota was the only one that was ranked higher. Right. In the, uh, so this. So theoretically, the, it's, a, it's a higher quality opponent than you saw on Tuesday. What, what, what is that going to mean for tonight? Yeah. Ho- hopefully things have switched in three days. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. Hey, real quick before we get into our picks, I do want to just take a brief look at the Big Ten slate this week because it's an interesting one, and a couple of them we are going to be picking here uh, on the picks. But w- we discussed already, Caleb, uh, what a what a kind of a mess the Big Ten West is with this whole thing. Um, you got Rutgers in Indiana. Uh, you got Michigan at Penn State. That's a really interesting one, and it's going to go a long way to determining what happens in the East, who's going to get that shot against Ohio State, because that's a mess now with Michigan State losing. Yeah, it is. And, and you look at where the, the college football playoff committee putting Michigan ahead of Michigan State. Right. Um, is there something... Which is a joke, but that's going to get fixed. I mean, it's going to work yeah, itself yeah, out. Yeah, it'll, it'll play itself out. But at the same time, these rankings exist because they tell you what the committee is thinking right now. And that, that's been the issue with looking at those initial rankings and where Cincinnati is to, to see how realistic is it for a group of five team to make the playoff. Yeah. Um, all these teams in the East, they still control their own destiny. They can go through just win and like you're good. Um, but how good is, is Purdue going to get another upset special? 
Yeah. Like, like they're, they're playing Ohio State. What's going to happen there? Yeah, that'll be fascinating. you got Northwestern at Wisconsin. That's who Wisconsin gets for Nebraska. Minnesota and Iowa, which is maybe kind of an elimination game there in the West for yeah, one of those two absolutely. games. absolutely. And then Maryland at Michigan State. Michigan State, of course, coming off the upset loss there. So that will be, that'll be very fascinating to watch. Uh, hey, uh, real quick before we get to the picks, a word from, a word from my friends at Sleep Number. Um, I had my Sleep Number bed for over a decade, and it's totally transformed the way I sleep. And I was always, you know, a little reluctant and, and concerned at the beginning when I took the job of being a morning show host, knowing, okay, I'm going to be getting up way earlier than I ever have before. And I just, I don't know if it's going to be a problem for me with my sleep. And, and I'll be honest, there, there were definitely times when it was, but I realized, man, a whole bunch of that is made better. If you've got a bed that you're comfortable on, I mean, it stands to reason you're comfortable when you're laying in a bed, you're not tossing and turning, you are getting better quality sleep during the course of the night and I have been since I got my sleep number bed and the cool thing is my wife has two because we've got completely different settings on the sides of our sleep number bed my sleep number setting is 40 her sleep number setting is 25 totally different but I'll tell you what the moment I laid on it and I got that number right for me the way my body type is and the way that I sleep on my side right away I said that's better than any bed that I've felt before and still have it today and still love it. It's made a huge difference and it can make it a huge difference for you too. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Don't miss Sleep Numbers Veterans Today weekend sales. Save $1,000 on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed plus free premium home delivery when you add a base. That ends Monday, November 15th, so check it out this weekend at the Sleep Number Store in Lincoln, just east of Cotton Road, next to Whole Foods. Stop in and tell them Jack sent you. All right, let's roll into the picks. Caleb, uh, update us on the standings. I'm not very excited about this. Yeah, I know. Uh, Brendan is out in front. He's got 42. He got five points last week. Now, Texas A&M, Purdue, Central Michigan outright, blah, and closest score. Jessica got just Texas A&M. She's at 34. I'm at 33. I got Texas A&M and then Illinois outright. <laughs> and then you got Texas A&M and Purdue. I pick Illinois all year. I pick all <laughs> Illinois all year to be my upset pick after they beat Nebraska and never get them. And then, sure enough, they do it. And it wouldn't be a week if Brandon wasn't getting a Mac game outright. It's unbelievable. I know. Uh, just every single week. All right. So, uh, let's do go to this. Do you want me to take the coin so I can do yeah. Jessica's? What did I do with my coin? I had a cool dime from 1966. Did you put them away? You. Sorry, I forgot. Uh, here's the penny. Okay. All right, you can do the penny. Cool, thank you. All right, so heads is the first team, tails is the second team for Jessica's. So, uh, I've got Brandon. He'll go first because he's in the first place. Uh, first game is in the SEC, Texas A&M at Ole Miss. Brendan wants Ole Miss. Jessica wants... She wants the second one, so Ole Miss. So she wants Ole Miss. Well, great. Uh, who do you have? I've got Texas A&M. I have Texas A&M as well. All right. All right Maybe we're going to we go. make up a little ground there. Uh, Oklahoma at Baylor. Brendan is going to take Oklahoma. I'm taking Oklahoma. Jessica's taking Oklahoma. Yeah, th- we have to give her Oklahoma, I feel yeah, like, I either way. That would be fun. Which is great, because I'm going to take Baylor in that okay. one. I need the upset there. I'm playing the strategy here. Game number three this week. Two games in the Big Ten we're going to do. Minnesota at Iowa. Maybe an elimination game for the Big Ten West. Who you got in this one? Brendan has Iowa. Jessica has Minnesota. She's got Min- oh. I've You've got, got- Iowa. And I was gonna. I've got Minnesota, but now this coin flip thing is ruining it. <laughs> uh, all right, last one: Michigan at Penn State, probably the uh, prime game here on the Big Ten weekend. Brendan has Penn State. Jessica, Jessica has Penn State. Oh, Caleb has Michigan, and I had. 
Penn State, thinking no one else would do it. So you're the only one with uh, Michigan in well, that one. point for me. All right, there you go. Upset of the week. Brendan is going to take Purdue in the upset, getting 21 points. That's a lot. That, that is, is too much. I agree with him there. I mean, he's just going for the single point. I think he's going to get that. He's uh, got 21 there, and we're going to make that our, our score pick this week, too. Uh, we can't really flip yeah. a coin for Jessica's, so <laughs> whatever. Uh, uh, go ahead. I am taking Rutgers plus the seven at Indiana. The Hoosiers are one and seven against the spread this year. Zero and one as a favorite, and for some reason are getting seven points. <sighs> yeah, I know, but I don't know. They've looked better. That's probably good. Uh, I'm going to take. TCU got rid of Gary Patterson, then they had like their game of the year last week. Right. And they beat Baylor. They go to Oklahoma State, or they've got Oklahoma State this week, and they're getting 12.5. So I'm going to try for the outright upset for TCU this week post Gary Patterson. Brendan's, I already told you Brendan's upset. All right, score for the final game. Ohio I'm still going to do Hale Varsity during scores. That's fine. You can still do that. Uh, Brandon, this was his upset pick. He is picking Ohio State to win outright, but a close one, 35-28. What do you have in that score? I have 47-28, Ohio State. Okay, so you think the numbers are about right. That's by 19. Uh, I have 38-17, which actually is exactly 24 points. Hey, we're ballparking this spread. There we go. I just said it's a terrible spread, and I literally picked a score. That was the spread. Oh, that's embarrassing. Hey, you and I will be back for uh, Nebraska ball tonight, 6 to 6.30. Tonight, half hour pregame. More thoughts 